What's up, punters and dribblers? Welcome back to the Hello Sport podcast, another all-talk edition. Uh, and this Thursday, which is when it comes out, but obviously I'm dating it and maybe people aren't listening to it on a Thursday, but you get me. We are talking to Australian Olympian and professional boxer, Olympic medalist. Well, Olymp- a Commonwealth gold medalist. Olympic bronze medalist. medalist. Now, he, I mean, and he, you'll find out how he feels about his Olympic medal, but he is a very well-known Australian biffer. Yeah, can biff. Sweet science kid. Also did a bit of plumbing. Did plumbing, did biff, still biffs, got Doesn't a mullet, has a six-pack, cool dude, hot, hot dude, dude, big dick, Harry Garside. You are listening to the Hello Sport Podcast. Did you fly back from Melbourne today? Yeah, this morning. Hectic. Whirlwind. Yeah. So were you down there for the whole... So you were there for the tennis? I was, yeah, I was there for probably like probably 85% of it. I had to come back um, to Sydney for, for some of it. But, um, mate, honestly, unreal. And who was it with? Uh, it's a Papa Heinzig. That's champagne, champagne, is it? Champagne, yeah. yeah. Mm. Nothing like Big Day Rosé. Well, no. <laughs> I didn't mind it. Your didn't contractual period, I assume, is over now. So <laughs> yeah. you didn't mind the taste that. of it. Didn't mind the taste of it. <laughs> um, was that, is that like, are you getting a lot of those opportunities now? Is this like the biggest sort of brandy thing that you've, been, you've done since you, I guess you've stepped into a notoriety space? You're flying down to the Australian Open, you're sitting courtside. Big dick swinger sort of stuff. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, mate. I enjoyed. it. I took me mum as well, That's so nice. I was. Um, That's cute. Yeah, she loved it. You know, she absolutely loved it. Sitting on like the courtside seats. Bill Gates was sitting there the next day. Was Bill there? He was there the next day. I was spewing. I would have loved to have bum oh. shoulders with him, just oh, yeah. asking me to go on the jet and tell him I'm vaxxed. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Right, <laughs> jet to Epstein Island. <laughs> <laughs> Touch the subject. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't think you want to go there. No, 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 no. no, no, no. It's for sale now that island. Yeah, so well, well, yeah, with some probably with some fucking some yeah some uh, baggage. some, some baggy <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't go digging it up. Um, all alleged. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah, 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 yeah. So you're at the tennis. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what's that like? Though I guess you know, like you. This kind of sounds like a dumb question. How long have you been, f- uh, you know, like note known for, famous for? When was it? Was it the Olympics two years ago? Mm, yeah, prior to the um, prior to the Olympics, like. I think my following on Instagram was like five or six thousand. Yeah, wasn't um. Yeah, I could upload some pretty, pretty naughty stuff on on the weekends with my mates, or yeah. I could, yeah. and no one really cared. Mm. But um, yeah, since Olympics, mate, got to be um a bit more careful, and and it's um it's fun, but no one really like prepares you for it. It's a, it's yeah. it's kind of weird stuff, you know what I mean? Like it's all kind of. I said this is my partner or my ex partner now, but we're on good terms, so don't worry, it's not a touchy subject. Um, yeah, so I, I said to her, I was like. It's like when people come up to come up to you and boost you up. It's like I know it's fake, like in the sense of like no one actually knows exactly who I am. If that yes. makes sense. Yeah. It's like I know who I am. My close community knows who I am. It's like I'm not as good as what people make me out to be. I'm also not as bad as what people make make me out to be. It's yeah, all, it's all kind of fake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, it's the extremes. I'm what do people generally say to you when they come up to you? 
Oh, it's it's ninety nine point nine percent nice. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. There's very rarely, of course, online you probably get <laughs> post some weird stuff, mate. Some in dresses, some in like really just pushing the norm of what yeah. you know what I mean what 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 it is to be, I guess, a male athlete. So I, I don't really care too much about that. But online, it's probably a little bit more negative. But in person, it's ninety nine point nine percent positive. Which is I'd nice. be shocked if someone came up to a fighter <laughs> and started talking shit. Well, you know what? You'd almost have to respect him a little bit because yeah, it's absolutely. like online talking shit. It's a lot easier to do, especially to a fighter. Has anyone ever like asked you to throw down? Oh, online, absolutely, very rarely in person. I think when I was younger, when I was younger, it's pretty um, like when I was probably in my teenage years, it's like that. It's a win-win for them. You know I mean they get beaten? Oh, he's a boxer anyway. But if if they beat me, which is which is a big chance on the piss, it's a massive chance. Yeah. It's like you know I mean their notoriety sort of gets improved as well. So like I always try my best. I got good at talking to try and talk away out of yeah, situations. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's probably. The way to go these days. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you'd be throwing down. With <laughs> no, well, aren't you now? And this could be something that I've parroted from uh, one of the great films, Con Air. I don't know if you've seen it, Nicolas Cage getting into his work. Have you seen it? You're a bit younger. Yeah, great okay, movie. I don't know on VCR. I can't really oh, remember yeah. that. Oh, yeah. No, but no, VCR. But I think he starts off beating the shit out of a guy in a car park who's trying to attack him and his wife, I believe, but he is registered as a deadly weapon himself. <laughs> So I don't know if you are technically yeah, as well. Yeah, is that true? Because I remember hearing that, like, I've, I've heard fighters that too. are classified as weapons. Is that true? I've heard that too, but I actually, I've never done research on it. I think as a professional boxer, you are, because you have a license. But as an amateur boxer, which is what I was for 99% of my boxing career, yeah. it's like, no one really cared. Do you need yeah. to carry a license for your... <laughs> It'd be awesome if you did. I, <laughs> well, I recently got a boxing over. bag. I'm wondering if I need to get my arms licensed. Well, I did see amateur. Did you hear that? Well, so, okay, so amateur, I don't yeah. need to. If I was paid to do it. Yeah, they, I don't, you don't, there's not much pro about you, mate. That's I know you go 12 rounds on the bag with like 10 minutes in between. <laughs> round, but like, yeah, it's know. a seven-hour set. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so no license. Well, thanks no. for clearing that up. Um, I just wanted to know, again, like just back to the, I guess, the the change, because when you, when you do become recognisable and it happened for you very quickly... Uh, was there getting used to it periods? Is there, has there been any drawback or has it sort of just all been largely pretty cool? I guess, and also you seem like quite a deep thinker. So like, you know, and you're saying you don't, you know, you know that a lot of it's bullshit when people come up and say, uh, you know, nice things. Do you spend a lot of time reflecting on just the nature of fame and all the things that come along with it, or are you pretty cruisy about the whole thing? Oh, I'm a, I'm a deep thinker, mate. Yeah, yeah. I, I love humans. I find humans the most interesting creatures, um, and and myself as well. Like, there's there's so much about this world that I that I think about. I think about way too much, way too often. Um, but yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. Like, people can come up to you and boost you up, but it's like if you start believing that you get a false sense of exactly who you are. Mm. And if, if people are chopping you down, if you start believing that, you also have a false sense of who you are. Yeah. So it's like, I'm in the process. Don't get me wrong. I still search for it. Like, who doesn't love getting tapped on the ass? You mean, in the, you love mean? People, people love it. You yeah, know what I mean? And, 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 I, and I, I love it, mate. Like, or someone replies back to you or someone reacts to your story. It feels good. Obviously, that's why social media is so successful. But I, I also know that I have a bit of understanding that it's all bullshit. And if you start relying on that for your happiness, then that's when I feel for me it gets a bit tricky. Yeah. You say you're a deep thinker. Like, what are you, what have you been thinking about lately? Like Is there that. like a specific topic that you're on? I find myself getting into topics, you know, like 
one thing will take my interest and I'll just pound that into the earth. Like chat GBT, that AI stuff's really got its cause oh, in really? it at the moment. I'm just you know? clear of it. It's, it scares yeah, me too it's, much. It's I'm terrifying. But I'm, 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 I'm enjoying getting terrified, if you know what I mean. Yeah. What are you, what's, what's tickling your fancy at the moment? Probably at the moment, it's, it's a breakup. You know, which is, you know, we won't get all soppy and stuff mm. like that, but it's just more around like just navigating that. I think in my life, breakups have been like one of the hardest periods. Breakups are fucked. Oh, they're, they're You so know you're alive crazy. when they're you feel s- the pain of a they breakup. Suck. And you know, this, it's even worse. It's like we've broken up and we're on the best of terms. Yeah. I kind of wish we had each other so yeah. we didn't have to like, make it you know, there's a bit of spitefulness. You can say something <laughs> fucked up here if you want to. I'm, you know, get it a hate. If you want to get those wheels turned, we can start the hate. <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's probably that's probably what's going on right now. And just understanding, I think I love thinking about like what drives me, what motivates me, what is the thing, and a lot of it is stemmed from our upbringing. You know what I mean the thing that drives me the most is somewhere along the line, I don't know exactly what it is. Someone made me feel, or I believed I wasn't good enough. So there's just like this massive internal battle of like I am good enough, you're not good enough inside of myself just like this seesaw Mm. and it makes me achieve amazing things but it's also not that fulfilling because there's the times where i'm not achieving things which is a lot of the time Mm. um you feel incomplete you feel inferior and then you strive to do an amazing thing and then you feel good for a little period and then straight back to here i was one i I was thinking about that the other day when our all our close personal friend ned brockman of ran across the fucking country fame well different different but he, he, like, again, he's like you on Instagram and I guess, like, very forthright and sharing what's going on. And just that he was talking about the highs and lows post-run and how, you know, there are days when it's really struggling. And I, I, I was thinking about that, like, when it comes to athletes and you are always working towards this thing. Once that thing's done, it's like, do you crash after that? Or is it just until you get back to that thing, like, the high is so high so nothing can really compare in between? Yeah, 150%. There's so many, it's so complex. Like any situation, there's no real like one thing, you know, one one size fits Mm. all, one thing is perfect. Like I think it's so complex, any situation. But it's just like, I find I am the best version of myself when I have a clear, direct goal Mm. and I'm working my ass off to get there. I feel really good. I might not feel good at the start. You mean, you're sort of working, you got to, you mean, find peace with yourself, find peace with with your work. You got to have your own back and have your own word. Um, consistently over time but then you probably get halfway through the journey you start feeling really positive about yourself you start yeah. feeling really good and then you get closer to the competition you feel like you can run through a brick wall yeah right. it's the best feeling and so you don't and you don't have any clear memory of what it is that maybe put that chip on your shoulder when you were younger there's a few things i 100 could rattle off a few things but like i inherited it from my dad my dad very much believes this so I inherited it from him and then also as well, I lost in almost every sport that I played. It was always like second or third fiddle or mid-pack and, and uh, no, every kid wants to feel special. Every kid wants to be their bloody cross-country champion, you know what I mean, of, mm. of the of the zone district. Yeah, like every yeah, kid yeah. wants that and yeah. I never was that. I was yeah, pretty right. average. I was shit ass. So. <laughs> yeah, every kid wants to go to state or national. Yeah, like, yeah. Wants I that w. fucking bees dick away from you want that blue ribbon from rep from shot put, but I just didn't have the thickness, the power, the size, the strength, the skill. Yeah. But I was close. You got the trunk. They gave me a couple of shot puts to take home to practice. Did they? Yeah, I was practicing in the backyard with a shot put, and like I'm just watching very unimpressed parents be like, "All right, all right throw it again." <laughs> Did you? When? When do you think you first tasted success? You were shit house, as you put it. Uh, when you were growing up, when was the first time you came out with a, like a blue ribbon? Yeah, probably for me, 
like when I was younger, I was really bad at the state level. So I just wanted to win the uh, the state title, the Victorian state title. I was like in boxing here. In boxing, yeah. yeah. When I when I do this, I played all sport prior to boxing: basketball, tennis, cricket, football, AFL. Um, I played them all, but I was always mid pack. Never really got the, the the blue ribbon or the coaches award or, yeah. or the most improved or something like that. Yeah, just yeah. Like best of fairs. <laughs> yeah, best, yeah, definitely didn't get the best of fairs. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think for me, it was probably when I won the state title at about age 14. Because um, for me, prior to that, it was just like, oh, I just want to win the state title. And but like to get to a state title, you have to be winning something before then, don't you? Like you have to be winning some shit to be able to like get to a position. of You must have been gifted or talented to a point to get to a state title. Or is that not how it works? And you just rock up on state title day and just be like i'm gonna have a crack here <laughs> well almost in a sense in boxing because it's not like a popular sport in any other sport i think like running or cricket or, or uh, you can't win it in cricket but you know what i mean like if any individual sport i think most people more people do that not many people do boxing so mm. it's like i think you have to have i think the quota you have to have over three fights so it's not many yeah okay and then you enter there's probably one or two other people in the division so it's like like it's pretty much anyone anyone's there and it's yeah. pretty it's I wouldn't say it's easy, but at that point for me, it was a massive achievement. Are you terrified at that age when you're going to fight people? Oh, my first fight, I was, the nerves running through your body when I was 12 years old for my first fight was just like, <laughs> like unbearable. That's, I, I can it, imagine like being that young, I'm like, I'd be terrified now, but like being a child and not necessarily being able to process everything that you're going through. It's almost better though, because ignorance is bliss. Yeah, because I always watch someone who's over the age of 18, the nerves they have before a fight, they're fully functional. Their brain's yeah, active. They yeah. know exactly they what can, they're doing. Yeah, they can they've got all the, they've got all the boys outcome. in the crowd having a few beers and <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're about to yeah. get knocked out by old Dave from, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, the plumber's about to fuck you up. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, for me, my first fight, like, mate, I had my, I had all my family, my friends, my brother's mates, my grade five crush was there. Oh, oh fuck, huge, dude. Brianna, she what? was there and I got the shit punched out of me. So oh, embarrassing. Really? <laughs> like, yeah. two eight counts in the last round almost got stopped thank oh, god really? i didn't get stopped but, oh wow um, Dude, that's also crazy this idea of a fucking what were you 12 like 12 you're getting stopped like there's something quite intense because it's always an intense sport but like that happened to a 12 year old you're like jesus in, in front of the year five crush oh, that's mate, heartbreaking times and the, the hour long i lived about an hour from the city so the hour long drive home with her sitting right next to me may not speak in oh, a word like bro. heartbreaking times oh my god <laughs> if, that anything, we're like, if that doesn't create champions i don't know what will well, that motivates that'll motivate a man yeah exactly i don't, <laughs> feel, I don't want to feel this again i don't want to be back in, i don't want to be in that car again fight back <laughs> No way. Shout out to your crush for actually getting in the car with you. Do you, what's your approach to nerves these days? Do you, do you let them sort of like wash over you? You know how they say nerves is good for you. Like, do you try and channel them? Like, have you got like an approach to nerves? Yeah, for me, it's, it's preparation. Yeah, so nerves are all, you, you're going to get nervous regardless of what you're doing if it's something really important, especially something like that. You're being put on show, your manhood's being questioned. There's so many things to it. It's very complex. But I think, um, yeah, for me, just making sure I prepare properly. When I don't prepare properly, oh boy, oh boy, the nerves are almost uncontrollable. You, you don't even want to be there. You'd mm. rather you'd rather pull out of the fight almost. Yeah. But when you prepare properly, the nerves are still there, but you can just breathe through them. You can get through them. When so, do you reckon? Sorry, boys, I, I do these do these alarms throughout the day. Um, no worries. What's it for? So I'll, I'll explain them first, and then I'll do them. But so there's there's probably four or five different themes, and each theme's different, and they probably each individual theme goes off maybe four times throughout the day 
Okay. And then I have to stop. This one's <laughs> describe something you can see. So, <laughs> yeah, it's just it's being in the present moment. This one, so it's just like couple uh, of hot boys, couple, yeah, couple of hot couple, of, couple of absolute <laughs> yeah. stars. Add that to the diary. Right. Yeah. What am I looking at? Stars. Sex personified. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about living in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, other themes are like, um, I mean, thoughts. So it's like if I catch myself, the alarm goes off in a negative thought or there has been one that I was conscious of in the last hour, I have to reframe it to something I'm grateful for, if that makes sense. Wow, yeah. 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 And then there's other ones that I have to like build myself up with positive affirmations and then visualise myself achieving the goal that I've got. And then also myself in five, ten years, like the life that I want. I see myself sort of looking over a beach to have a family a couple of little kids running in the pool Shit. how do you where, where do you get that uh, these ideas from like are you reading a lot of books about i guess the the positive mindset and all that sort of stuff or like are you, are you coming up with this sort of thing yourself oh i wish i was but yeah a lot of it's um yeah just pulled from different athletes or you mean the best thing about the world we live in <clears throat> i know the older generation they trash the phones you mean all these young people using the phones and stuff like that but like we can use them to our advantage like as long as you're using them properly and you're not mm. like you mean getting in a rabbit hole on you porn or something like that or <laughs> um really wasting your time never been there <laughs> no uh, either no. um but yeah so for me it's just like you just try and utilize them like podcasts audiobooks like what are you what are you sort of digesting on instagram like like and my, for me it's a lot of positive things yeah. how long have you been doing that for i did it prior to the olympics and then <clears throat> i did it for a period post olympics but i sort of um naturally coming off the olympics there was like a period where i was pretty flat man and to to do like positive affirmations when you're feeling flat is actually quite hard. You sort of, you're like, yeah. you're sort of trying to boost yourself up and then there's just something else going, oh, mate, you're a piece of shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Time to be positive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like someone's Good. booting you when you're down. Yeah. 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 It's yourself. Um, and have you found, was the impact immediate or is it sort of something that's taken time to... Every, so every alarm's different. You know I mean, obviously in a day, you mean, obviously every human feels a range of different emotions mm. throughout the day. Mm. So it's like an alarm can go off when it's like someone's just cut me off in traffic and I'm feeling a little <laughs> bit frustrated, you know what I mean? So it's like, it just depends on where you are in your day, in your mood cycle. And, and sometimes you're fully connected to it and sometimes you feel amazing. And then other times you're just like, man, I don't even want to do it. Yeah. Um, but you still do it because I think Mike Tyson said it's like, Discipline is doing the things you don't like to do, but doing like you love it. And it's like, yeah, that's all it is. Just continuously do things. You were saying do, just before the uh, the alarm to remind you that you're looking at hot boys went off. <laughs> you were saying now, like, if you we're just back to nerves, right? You're saying like when you're not prepared, you're you're shitting yourself, and you're like you're way more nervous. When's the last time you feel like you weren't prepared for a fight? It's mm. a great question. Um, for me. It would have to be prior to the Commonwealth Games. Oh, no, probably 2019, sorry. 2019, um, coming off <clears throat> the first tournament of 2019, I was in uh, Bulgaria. And, yeah, just um, like coming through, I had a really bad Christmas. You mean a few things happened in my family. Um, also went through a breakup back then, 2018, 2019, and was just like living out of home just a period of time. So it wasn't, I didn't, didn't have an amazing preparation. Usually you're fully locked in. So I rocked up to that tournament. I was, mate, I was shitting my pants. Um, still actually performed not too bad, mm. but prior to the tournament, oh, mate, I was not in good state. Really? <laughs> yeah. Fucking hell, I can't imagine being unprepared for, to go in for a biff. It, like, are you, is there, 
once you're in the fight, do the nerves go away? You sort of just is that like is that almost the relief when you when you're in there, or is it just that there's like so much going on you don't have time to be focusing on it? Mate, you just want to be punched once, and once you get punched, like it's it's on. You know what I mean like animal instinct comes out, the mm. years of preparation, the years of training, like it all kind of takes over. Yeah. The great fighters are the ones that can think in the moment, but it's like if you're underprepared, someone hits you, you just all your thoughts go out the window, and it's just on. Like yeah. muscle memory comes yeah, out. And, right. um, yeah, it's it's the best feeling. I love like being inside that ring. I'll always do a combat sport of some sort. Um, boxing obviously takes its toll on your brain. I'm <laughs> slowly but surely, so yeah. I will. Um, you know, probably not much past thirty. Just. Judging, I've done it since I was nine years old. I don't have brain damage by the time I'm. You know, no, 45. is that we? Yeah, like I mean, obviously we're talking about, it, but like, <laughs> do you do anything now? Do you notice anything now? Is there anything you're like? I don't notice anything, but I think a big thing is it's like because people who don't do boxing still get brain conditions, so it's like yeah. it's like is it the boxing? Obviously, it probably doesn't help it, but it's like as long as you're keeping yourself active and thinking <clears throat> and like learning things that you're interested in or trying new things, I think you're keeping your brain active, yeah. you're exercising your brain. Yeah. So I think that's probably how to do it but as i'm no doctor so like neither are we but that sounds good enough <laughs> yeah listen i'll take that because oh, i'm not a doctor no. which may shock um well, you were you're talking about your preparation and generally speaking you coming in prepared to every fight do you ever do you find it comfortable do you find it hard to find comfort in your preparation in the sense that do you ever feel like oh maybe i should have done that a little bit more or i could have i could have trained a little bit harder this day or that day like does any of that sort of wash over you like just because when we again we ran a marathon i don't know if you know that oh i heard it don't you worry yeah, yeah we ran it yeah. and like i wasn't super happy with my preparation obviously but i was thinking that's a fucking yeah. understatement. but i'm like but, I'm, but i was reflecting <laughs> Jeez, being like getting injections a week before the race but when would i be you know and even if i did follow the program to the letter of the law would i was would there still be part of me that says but you could have done a little bit more Maybe slight, well, I mean, it's a question for Harry, but I'm just, as it pertains to you and I in our marathon, I think anything <laughs> more than what we did was probably going to be better. Of course it was. But I'm saying, is there a level? Can you overtrain? Yeah, I, th I think you 100% can. When, when I was younger, like, not that I'm that old, I'm only 25, but when, when you're young, you can sort of, you can train as much as you want. You recover, no dramas. You wake up the next day, you don't even feel your muscles ache and... When you start getting a little bit more muscle, you start growing a little bit older. You know what it's like. Your body. Your what are you <laughs> fucking talking about? Bro? You get 32 <laughs> and you can't even get out of the car without. Yeah, mate, I back. played 2020 cricket yesterday and I feel like I've been deadlifting for six hours. Like I'm completely <laughs> fucked. Yeah, so you understand. Completely. I just didn't appreciate the. You know, when you get older, I'm like this motherfucker right in front of me. Yeah, I know. Yeah, listen. <laughs> yeah, it's so not wrong. I think there is like a level of overtraining, but yeah, I think you. There's like an element of like. Athletes are always on the scale of like underpreparing and overtraining. Like that sickness is just like you're always sort of walking the seesaw of like feeling like you're not doing enough, feeling a bit guilty, mm. and then also overtraining. So it's just trying to find that balance. And I think that comes through time and experience and knowing your body really well. And <clears throat> like I, I know my body extremely well. So it's like knowing that I can push myself. And even when those voices come up, like, you mean, oh, maybe, maybe have the today off, like, they're just voices because it doesn't want you to be a weak you mean you're just being a bit weak so yeah. push through that you'll be fine Puddles and dribblers we interrupt this harry garside podcast to suck off a really important sponsor of the show yep uh, a sponsor i don't mind going down on from time to time, time. yep uh and they do us they do well listen they support us we go down on them that's right that's ko um best in the business 
Listen, if you want to watch rugby league football this season and you don't have KO, you basically miss all your team's games. Yeah. That's the math. It's pure and simple. You may as well not have eyes. You may as well not have eyes. You may as well not even support the greatest game of all. Mm. So if you don't have KO, now's your opportunity to step up, be a man or woman, okay, and make the right choice, the right decision. Yeah. And that's to go with KO, the best in the business. Best in the business. Now, this person that was speaking to, Harry Garside, often has fights either on pay-per-view, which is available via KO, but also I think there are some free-to-air... Wednesday night biffs. Wednesday night biffs. Now, I don't know if he's ever been on there, but is he going to be on there at some point? Yes, he might be. I reckon, he, I reckon he's been on there. I reckon he's probably been on there. He might be. Who knows? There. But it's all available on KO. There's also some UFC coming up on KO. KO's where it's at. If you don't have KO, then... Get jammed. This is an official fuck you from Hello Sport. Punters and Dribblers, today's episode brought to you by Good Day, the fastest selling multivitamin of all time. Do I have data to back that up? No, I don't. That's a vibe-based thing. Big shout out to the, the dribblers that are already uh, on it. It's it's changing lives. I think 207 reviews, five star, all of them at begoodhealth.com.au. If you need uh, to hear it straight from the dribbler's mouth, go and read them because it's been described multiple times as life-changing. As we explained last week, we are currently uh, taking pre-orders only as we are out of stock because it's sold way quicker than anyone could have possibly expected, which we fucking love you all for. We are taking pre-orders. It'll be back in stock later this month. And if you are a subscriber, you will be getting the goods you have not been forgotten about. Begoodhealth.com.au, code dribbler for 20% off. We love ya. Punters and Dribblers, the podcast is always brought to you by the betting platform of choice over here, and that is Neds. Neds, baby. Neds. That's it. Number one in Australia, in our opinion, nay the world, nay the universe. Nay, the multiverse. Now, if you want to follow Tom and I and our mate Guru and our mate Sebo, I mean, I think Tobler's on there, but who cares about that? The profiles tab, Ed, it's uh, an innovation by Neds where you can go and you can see what people are betting on. It is essentially accountability in app form. Well, it's accountability personified. Correct. Uh, there's also obviously the About Even group in there where everyone's sharing their own bets giving each other shit, having a laugh, having a chuckle, having a Paul Rahihi. That's a rugby league reference that some may not get. But no, some I liked it. Now, you win some, you lose more. For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Buy a six-pack of Big Day Rosé at hellosport.shop. What are we doing month of May? Because we are working our way through the remainder of the, uh, the most recent vintage. Got a couple left that we want to get rid of before we then turn all of our attention to the end of the year. Just feeling generous, Tom. We're feeling generous, and it's, a, it's, it's sale time. We just thought, fuck it. If you buy a case and you use the code MANLY, you get 50 bucks off the case. There if you, you buy go. two cases, you get 100 bucks off. Yep. You get what I'm trying to say? Go to hellosport.shop, bang, rosé on there, code MANLY, 50 bucks off a case. Pretty fucking generous if you ask me. We love the punter and we love the dribbler and we're just like, let's get this vintage out there to the people that yeah. want it most. Let's get it in the gullets of the nation. That's right. Gull it up. Now, we had you for a brief 
15 minute window on the podcast. So this is a recurring guest, you could say. But it wasn't long. It wasn't long. And it wasn't it was long a, enough. It was I don't know who you were fighting, but it was before a gallon card and we're at Fox. Do you remember that? Yeah, of course. Um and we came away from that being like, we need to fucking talk to this cunt more. Like you were and I'm not just saying that because you're here. We've said it to everyone at Fox as well. We were like, and we've been we're up George Rose's ass of no limit fame, trying to get you back on. Because you in that small period of time like you're an interesting guy and you've also got an interesting story but i guess because we didn't have much time to get into the the nuts and bolts of it and it's not a this is your life show (laughs) but i would like to i was interested to know more about like where you grew up your upbringing a little bit because i do find that interesting in the way that like it shapes people with your sort of mindset and i guess successful athletes yeah, it's 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 an interesting one. Like I, I definitely didn't have uh, a negative upbringing. Um, I youngest of three boys, grew up in a place about an hour from the city in Melbourne, a um, place called uh, Lurdale, and a lot of space out there. End of the train line, uh, very working class, and and being the youngest of three boys, um, and my brothers being quite like masculine and manly, and and playing out the back with dad and digging holes and rubbing their faces in dirt, and me sort of not wanting to do that at all. And just Man, shit. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Digging holes, yeah. digging holes, yeah. loving your Absolutely. face in mud. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely loving it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like a holiday. Not a bar of it. So I was more in touch with my mum's energy. So for me, under the age <clears throat> of about six, seven, eight, I was. Um, they never once said anything, but I just felt I didn't get much respect from my dad and my two brothers because mm. I was just a little bit different. Was a bit of a mama's boy, a yeah. bit of a sook, and um, I think that's initially why I started boxing was to sort of gain respect as they were always fighting with each other, fighting at school, fighting it. You know, and that was just like what they did. And, yeah. and in that area, it was very masculine and, and everyone was down at the pub and a couple of beers and <laughs> old mate, chins old mate. Yeah, and, yeah, you know, yeah. That's just what it was. And um, dad, dad grew up in England and he often spoke about how many fights he had when he was younger and sort of, you mean, that badge of honour. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know right. I mean? So like for me, and then not feeling real, real fearful of that, I think I um I started boxing um after watching a lot of Rocky films and, and everyone loving them. And I was just like, oh, this is what men do. I've got it's, to do this. Isn't it interesting, like, that you, you know, like, you didn't even like doing it, but it's like that, that desire to have your old man fucking respect you so you go out there and put yourself into the thing that you least want to do. It's it's so interesting. And I, I've, I've, I never realised this for most of my life, but I definitely realised recently that that's all I'm doing. Is I'm just trying to do... It happens being the youngest child. This is getting deep, guys. But like when you you Please. think you think about an environment, right? So you get born into an environment. I'm the youngest. Um, my brother is five years older than me. My other one's three. So three kids, three boys mm. under the age of five. A lot of testosterone from the two oldest ones, doing a lot of chaos. Dad's at work doing his own thing. He's a roof tiler. Mum's looking after the boys. It's just chaos. You know what I mean? So the the youngest child, as a safety, and because it's so vulnerable. And it needs its mum's attention and its mm. dad's attention. It will do anything. So I think for me, I'm just trying to do these amazing things. I remember like lighting, yeah, just the, get some fucking lighting the curtain on fire. Oh shit! Yeah, you know I mean, and and although mum and dad weren't happy, still got their attention. So I'm stoked. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking how good. But I was like quite young. I know I don't actually remember it, but my parents told me about the story, and I think about like, is that me? Obviously, maybe just being a curious fucking kid kid or is that me trying to search for their attention in some way shape or form yeah the subconscious mind and i think i'm doing that right now you mean just 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 trying to do amazing things trying to search for their attention um and and many other people's attention but attention seeker how does your old man given he's a bit of a hard bastard how does he feel like do you 
speak to him. I saw an Instagram video you did and it got me very emotional. I am a father of two and I cry at the drop of a hat now. But you did this thing where you like read this letter to your old man. It was like really honest and like just about how much you loved him basically. And you can see him sitting there and starting to well up and I'm going, oh, fuck. And then you start to well up and I'm like, oh, my God. But I guess for a man like him, from the way you describe him, that would be like almost mind-blowing being like, how the fuck did I like create this kid who's like seemingly like quite different in approach? Did he like, does he, do you have conversations with him about that sort of stuff? Does he, how was the aftermath of that? That yeah. thing that you did with him? Yeah, it's um, me and my dad, I never once saw him cry up until the age of 16 and you know, I mean, prior, I'll, I'll start from the start. So probably from the age of 12 and before, everything my dad said, I just wanted to be my dad. I mean, mm. He's a superhero. Yeah. I believed everything he said. I think he was a buddy five-sport world champion. You know what I mean? He, he told me all these bullshit stories. But yeah. I believed him. Yeah. I loved him, and I still do. And my dad's a really good man. He taught me many, many amazing traits, and um, but just very old-fashioned, mm. very sort of set in his ways and stuck in his ways. Doesn't do a lot of internal work or self-growth, and, and, but he's a beautiful man. But up until the age of probably 12 to 16, 17, it's like I started to form my own identity. You mean, mm. I started to like start challenging him. Yeah. And before that, everything he said, I believed. And I started to believe him. Then 12 onwards, I start questioning him. saying, hey, that's not right. I mean, you can't say that. You can't. Uh, and he's like. way you played in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, so from for about five probably probably longer you know maybe eight years just started challenging him you mean constantly and we we actually had a bit of a fickle relationship for a period of time um you mean i just sort of mirrored to him all the things i didn't like inside myself because i'm very similar to him and i saw it inside of him he's an addict he's um just got many traits he's very passionate and and Mm. sort of talks with an air air of arrogance like he knows i often do that sometimes yeah Yeah. um so yeah we, we often argued and then probably from the age of 19 onwards we've just really formed a better relationship you mean there was many things i actually wrote him a letter when i was about 19 20 and then yeah we just slowly but surely started to cultivate and build a better relationship and now like writing reading that letter to him on my instagram like to share that moment with him and to share like a lot of my successes with him and 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 just to like He's my best mate. You yeah. Know, like, I'm so grateful that we have the best relationship now. And it was all off the back of that letter you wrote when you were 19. You think that was the catalyst for, like, the modern relationship you've got now? I think so. We never once, like, it wasn't like we had a really, like, tumultuous relationship. We just, we, I found myself at times not wanting to come home because I just knew he'd be on the piss and we'd be, he'd never, like, be abusive or anything like that, but we'd often argue because I'm passionate and he's passionate. Mm. And then I'm from the left, he's from the right. You know, and we're just going, it's interesting though, this is what happened. It's so interesting that this happened. I'm probably more left wing when I would be in home. Yep. And then I'd go outside of home to school and I'd be right wing. I'd be start using all of his arguments against the teachers yeah. at school. <laughs> it's like I just wanted to argue with people. Yeah. I just wanted to debate people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it was it was an interesting upbringing. But yeah, since... Since 19, sorry, there's another another alarm. What's that one for? This is the build build myself up. So oh, okay. Yeah, I'm actually going to do, do this real quickly. Do it. This one's a big one. Hey, that's all right. Sorry, Dude, don't Discipline. That was cool. <laughs> Discipline. That was cool. Love it. The look on your face was like, can we keep that in? 
Yeah, 100%. Fuck yeah, dude. That was mad. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, what the fuck is he saying? That's what I was thinking. Dude, I wish I could just like, I want to say it to me. Yeah, I wish I had a bigger deal. No, you do. No, you yeah, do. Yeah, you no, do. No, no. Dude, I saw you in a zoot suit, guy. Yeah, yeah. I saw you in a zoot suit that you put up on the gram there. I'm like, now that, he must, that must have all been hogged up photos. Congratulations. I hope you did say that to yourself. Um, you are hung. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. <laughs> Dude, that thing looks big on the flop. Don't worry about that. <laughs> anyway, where were we? Uh, um, arguing. Yeah, yeah, relationship with dad. So, yeah, 1920, around that time, wrote him a letter and just said, missed my dad and, and you mean, let's let's go get coffee. It was just before his birthday. And we, we went and got coffee and spoke about things that we just hadn't really spoke about for, for a few years. And, and, yeah, like we realised that we're sort of arguing or like not getting along for different reasons and it's just because we weren't talking properly. So, um, but since then, like he's my best mate. I love him. Um, really grateful that my parents growing up argued heaps and I was like often thought, oh, they're not staying together, no chance. But now they've like cultivated this beautiful relationship. They probably love each other more now than what they did when I was younger. Mm. And it's like amazing to see that. You mean parents stick fat with each other and yeah. like stand by each other even through like the depths of hell. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they've been through a lot, obviously, just like any partnership. So um pretty grateful that like they're two of my best role models. Definitely. Do you take what do you take from I from both of them in a lead up to a fight? Do they play a specific role at all? Like do you lean on them for advice or sort of, you know, do you, do you talk to da your dad about certain things and lead up to a fight or are they sort of quite separate for your boxing career? Oh, definitely pretty separate. <clears throat> Old boy likes to think he can fight, but yeah, um, I told him about the age of 14. Every dad thinks they can fight. Yeah. I told him at the age of 14, I said, mate, I've got one coach and it's not you. So. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, he likes to think he can throw down. Um, but yeah, so probably for me, it's just more like, it's more the stuff outside of sport because it's like you don't want that stuff impacting your performance or preparation. Yeah. So it's like as long as you're let going, let, letting go of the other stuff outside of sport through my parents or through mates, like that's how I feel well prepared for, yeah. for a fight. Back to, well, still on the sort of upbringing, this was a thing that you told us when we spoke last time, that your mum is, is or was a clairvoyant. Mm. Still is, yeah. So she's a medium. She um, yeah, talks to dead people. Bit going on there. That's too, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, plenty. And that was, mate, when that when you dropped that on us in the fucking foxing, I was like, fifteen minutes with this guy. How the yeah. fuck are we meant to get? There? Well, it can't be done. It can't be done. But it can be done now. It can be done now if you'd like to. Yeah. If so we like, can go how there. is it since you were young? Like from the from always? Like is that a job? Yeah. So mum mum smoked a few Hong Kongs in her time, I reckon. But been there. <laughs> This man has. This man's still there. He's still in Hong Kong. <laughs> right now. Um, yeah. You can tell. Yeah. Haven't Have seen any him. dead people yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, growing up, it like it, it sort of evolved. So for me, she she's always had a job. Um, but yeah, it's been her like little side passion. She's mm. really enjoyed it. Um, she says she's always <laughs> sounds a bit like kooky, but she said she always had a connection to the spirit world. Um, and growing up, always had tarot cards, crystals. Um, you mean used to do all the stuff that modern modern females are doing now, or mm. some modern people, not just females. Well, we do it when we're trying to pick the Char results in rugby league. We'll Charge the crystals. Bit of gambling if you want manly <laughs> yeah. to win. Well, all Charge. the website crashes. I'm like, throw me a crystal. Like, yeah. I need to, uh, yeah. <laughs> in the middle of a fucking merch sale, we get the crystals <laughs> get out. The crystals out. Someone fix the website. Give me a crystal. And to the crystals' credit. As soon as I held it, went back up. Yeah, so, so love that. Yeah, I don't know if there's something there. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, for for me, she's always been sort of interested in that, and she um she now like 
does it pretty full on. Like she does it most weekends and, and does private readings um, during the week and stuff like that. And um, I've, I've been to a few just to help my mum out with like, like working on the door or something like that. But I personally don't know if I fully believe it, but mm. I also know my mum, I'm conflicted because my mum is not a liar and I yes. know that. So it's like, maybe there is something there. Maybe mum's full of shit. <laughs> Who knows? Like, yeah. But I, I know she's not a liar. She mm. believes it and yes. I think that's all that matters. Absolutely. It's, what, it's an interesting one. I'm similar where I'm like, I don't know how I feel about it. I have family members who have been to speak to people who have like they've lost loved ones and have gone to speak to people. And some of the shit that gets thrown up, I'm like, well, listen, I don't know how the fuck they would know that. Like, it's not one of those ones where it's like, because we, we were actually talking horoscopes on the podcast the other day, and how you read someone, like the horoscope, and it's like, you need more sleep. It's like, well, that's nice and vague. <laughs> so you're probably going to hit a few people there. But there's some real specific stuff that you hear back from some of these things. Where you're like, Jesus Christ. Almost too specific. But then you say to yourself, but I wasn't in the room, so I don't know how that was let up. What yeah, information exactly, did you hand exactly. over? <laughs> but oh, how but does, I, how did, does, like, do you, does your mum know that you're like, that you don't necessarily know if you believe it? How does she like, does she, do you, does she get up your ass about that? She's like, oi, bruh, oh, speaking to dead people. The, the whole, the whole family used to sort of, I wouldn't say bully her, but like we used to take the piss out of her yeah, a fair right. bit. But yeah, she, she loves it. So um, my mum's like probably the most secure and just like confident one out of a lot of us. She's yeah, like, right. she wears, she's got the big dick in the, in the yeah, family by yeah, far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she's the top of the roost. So for, for her, I don't think she really cared that everyone else was sort of just like Chirping. not believing it. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty interesting stuff to see some of the stuff, like the specific details they get about like tattoos and watches and how they die, where they died and, and just like weird stuff. Yeah. And like, I'm like, how did you, like, it's, there's a little bit of luck to it, I think, but it's like specific details is actually a hard thing to get. So there's, there's something to it. Do you, sorry, do you like ever, do you sit her down and ask her like what it is that she's feeling or hearing? Like what is the, experience that she is going through when she is communicating with someone or something or the other side or whatever it is like yeah so she she explains it that <clears throat> she will stand up and she would just like, like close her eyes or sort of be in the spirit world and she will feel like she's the spirit that's trying to come through so it's like she will feel like there's like a she's something on her it's like there's a watch or you know she'll feel like there's tension in my neck, you know what I mean? So maybe they, they, they died of, of suffocation or, or mm, yeah, something yeah, like yeah. a loss of breath or, um, yeah, just stuff like that. Real, like, sort of she feels it in her body, positive or negative, and then she, like, explains that. Is there anyone in the room that feels <laughs> feels this? And then, yeah, it's was all she, weird stuff. Was she experiencing that before she knew what was going on necessarily? Like, like pre-medium when she – was there a moment where she had no idea what was – the experiences she was having. Yeah, at a young, if, if I remember correctly, I can't remember if it was her or a friend. I've, this memory's pretty um pretty puzzled, but I think she actually got taken to uh, like a psychiatrist or something like that, and mm. and they pretty much diagnosed her with schizophrenia because it's it's back then, back in their mm. generation, having voices in your head, yeah. big big no no. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but it's Fuck, like even now they'd be going, look, yeah. get you checked out, <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a look at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's and my mum is like completely. Um, uh, yeah, she she's a pretty sound human. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, but like for her, she always had this little weird connection um, to. It's almost like when you're a kid, though. I remember having imaginary friends and stuff like that. Yeah, you'd, have a, you'd have a tea party by yourself, and I'm Dude, really, yeah, I had a couple. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So someone pop it, something Billy and pop it. But I was saying this the other day, where it was like there's something about 
the things that you learn as a child, like I feel like it's when you learn about time, like when you understand time and then like sort of numbers and how they make sense. It's like, it just gives you a like a view of the world where things are possible and aren't possible. And it's like, you can no longer go into a hedge for six hours and play trolls. Like you're not a <laughs> troll and trolls don't exist. And you're like, at least there's like a free, well, you're not like, playing for six hours. You're just playing. Yeah. But there's a freedom of in your mind that just gets like shut down or like snuffed out or whatever. And it's like, you lose whatever maybe touch there is to that world. If it does exist. Mm. That's what I think. I feel like we're taught out of like listening to our gut, our intuition. And I, this is getting spiritual, but I, I genuinely believe that, on an energetic level, there's something else out there. Like mm. there's something that humans, humans like to think that we're the smartest creatures, we're, we're that superior to any other animal. But it's like, I think that there's something else energetically that we just, we can never enter. You mean, mm. but other animals might have some sort of frequency to it, but we will never, will never be able to enter it. Yeah. It's like, it's like the, that probably animal instinct that I feel prior to a fight, I've exercised it a fair bit. You mean a lot's coming up. You can you can almost see the bead of sweat dripping from somewhere because it's like you're so locked in and so you're like hyper aware. Oh, hyper hyper vigilant, hyper aware. Yeah. Everything you're like just so present in that moment. And I think other animals because they're in a state of survival, a state of fight or flight, not a state of comfort like we are in the Western world, mm. and not listening to our gut. They have to listen to their gut to survive. You mean if it, you mean a lion's in the jungle and, and the predators, you know, what I mean like yeah. they have to do that to survive. That reminds me of, and it's it's it in, just in terms of the like hyper awareness. And I just don't. I remember feeling that when I had mushrooms, mm. and I was in nature, and you're like. I am now looking at this like patch of grass or in the bush and it's like I can see every single fucking blade of grass and little bug and everything going around there was like 15 I, minutes ago I didn't know what the fuck I was I've got a f- sense that like I think that's how the animal kingdom sees everything mm. we've mushies? like we've dulled it, we've we've dulled our senses yeah you know because we've just because we're so sedentary now, well, we just like I, sit around. I don't need like, to kill for my food. We order exactly, it from an app. Exactly, and it arrives to me. Like you don't need to be sharp between the ears. Although you can listen to your gut in like the business world sometimes, where you can it can be spot well, on. Just you even know? the business world, even just like I guess trying to evaluate a person sometimes. You know, you just can get a vibe mm. where you're like mm. a vibe. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. I tell you, what, like I, I genuinely imagine if every I don't know if every human should do it, but like. If the politicians like just had a mushy trip, you know I mean, just like, how dare you tell me that that's illegal? When I know, like, man. You're so happy. You're connected to nature. The last thing I want to do is is do something stupid on mushrooms. I want to like, no. I want to hug everyone. I yeah. want to suck Love. everyone off. You know what and I mean? also, like, like after mushrooms, I almost feel like I've come back. I come back clearer than cleansed. Like you just, uh, you feel like you're able to like mental inventory. You know, like oh, go d- through the shit that you sort of. It makes you confront things that maybe you're like lacking, like you know, things that you need to address. Mm relationships you need to address things in your life you need to do better or things you're doing well things to be grateful for like i just can't first time i had a proper mushy go on mushies in like nature not just in like a backyard of a house party where it is a little overwhelming like (laughs) i was like oh my god dude this is the greatest fucking mental enhancer of i've ever had Mm. it's like a it's like a deep mental cleanse yeah someone comes in with a broom and a gurney and just cleans out yeah but like but not but not too high pressure like it's a nice it's a a nice one but it's just getting off the surface level gunk and grime that's right an easy off bam for the brain that's right that's exactly right (laughs) that ladies and gentlemen is mushrooms (laughs) me me and my um me and my now ex-partner we're on on news eve just gone we were were on on the mushies and, and everyone else is on on drinking and other stuff mm. and 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 we weren't on we weren't we were sober you know, we oh were nice also, and 
Like we just noticed when we were in the house party that we're at, we didn't want to be there. Yeah. We're a different frequency. Completely. Yeah. Completely and we're like, different. And we're just like, like not that we judged them in any way, shape or form, but we're just like, we just wanted to walk, be in the ocean. And we're just like, yeah. we had our own little vibe and by 12.30, we are tired and went to sleep. It was just perfect. And we felt so connected to like everything. And yeah. that's what we found though. We found that because Christmas lights were still up, um, it's like we were so you think you would love Christmas lights yeah. hated them oh, is really? that right hated them but loved the nature loved the tree Trees. oh yeah nature, I mean, the nature but it's like a Christmas light because it's a human made we don't yeah, like it that's cars true. Yeah. it's like cars come past like, oh, you it's all very intense yeah. Yeah. yeah oh Jesus get away Christ. from me I need it's a machine yeah. it's a machine tree trees are just breathing <laughs> yeah. alive yeah they do breathe as well. That's you want to see like lungs in action. When oh no, you can see them breathing. You like, can see like them oh, you can see that they're alive yeah. doing their damn thing. They're getting into know? their work. Oh fuck yeah, man! <laughs> getting into their work in a big way. Dude, we should do a mushy podcast. That'd go well. Yeah, <laughs> but we'd have to be we'd have to be mic'd up just walking. Yeah, around. in the bush. Yeah, <laughs> we should do that. walking around in the bush. Hey, we couldn't ever, be in here. We get you're in between caves. camps. Yeah. Let's go. Beautiful. Good to know. Um, that's fucking funny. So, um. When did you, when did it, like, when did you start getting to that, like, Australian representative Commonwealth Games sort of thing? How old were you when, when you were doing that? Yeah, uh, so I won, <clears throat> won my first national title after failing four times uh, on when I was 18 in 2015. So is that failing four times in 15, 16, 17, 18? You failed all those and then... Yeah, yeah. So I, um, I, I went to, yeah, four national titles and I actually lost in my first fight of each championship. Oh, <laughs> yeah, how many fights are in them? Uh, so, but it's different every time, but potentially two or three. Um, but it's it's like tennis; you lose your out. So it's like yep. the draw. You could draw the best guy, I could draw the worst guy. But yeah, I lost in the first fight of all four, and I n- I never forget the first one I won. Um, I won't say names, but there was a dad who said there was four people in my weight, so two fights for gold. You know, this is go to the youth Commonwealth games. Eighteen years old, mm. never had any success, had a great preparation, and I'll never forget someone come up to me and said, someone from New South Wales. The, his dad said, I hope we draw Harry Garside first because he's, he's the worst in the division. He's the easiest in the division. And I, I drew his son first. Wait, he came and said it to you? No, someone like heard it. Oh, I overheard okay, right. him. Yeah. Overheard yeah. it. And then he, he come to me and, and someone told me. And I um I drew his first his son first up coincidentally and I um and I beat him and I just remember walking out of the ring I'm pretty spiteful like, I always remember stuff like yeah, that yeah. never forget and I just walked in I didn't say anything but I just looked at him and just had that look yeah <laughs> such a yeah. big flex I loved Fuck. it I loved it satisfaction through the <laughs> yeah. roof yeah so that was um yeah 2015 when I was 18 and then went to the youth Commonwealth Games um and then turned uh, senior the year later and then um. Yeah, was in the elites and, and tried for Rio, failed. Um, and then, yeah, obviously Com Games in 2018 and then Olympics. How do you come back, and it's not come back, I guess, but from four losses or four failures, as you put it, for national titles, like, is there a, are you plagued with doubt? Are you like, fuck, maybe I don't have it? Your coaches, do coaches have an obligation to be like, maybe the same for you, dude? Yeah, there is an element of that. I actually, I actually, and no one knew this besides maybe one or two people, but I gave myself an ultimatum um, prior to the first national win. So I'm, I'm 18 years old and I said, oh. because I started listening to, to people and like my parents, like, oh, I just get a job. I'm about to finish school. Like, mm. and all I wanted to do was be, be a boxer. That's all I wanted to do. And I gave myself an ultimatum. I said, you know, I'm in year 12. I'm, I'm just at school. So, so I can box because I knew once you work, it's a lot harder to 
manage both. Mm. And I said, if if I don't succeed in this nationals, I'm gonna I'm gonna walk away. I mean, I've got to I've got to think about. I love boxing. I'll always do it, but doing it competitively, I might just focus on career outside of boxing. And I gave myself an ultimatum. I said, you mean give everything you've got for twelve weeks? At twelve weeks, you mean eat properly, sleep properly, do everything right. Don't go out with your mates, eating bad food. Don't get on the mm. piss. And I did everything I possibly could to be ready for that that tournament and I showed up well prepared and, and, and obviously took it out and it was like it's so amazing what you do when you're sort of in desperate need like it was the last roll of the dice and, and your back's against the wall and, and, and obviously uh, managed to take it out and I'm so grateful I did because obviously the rest of my life wouldn't have happened either yeah. but um, yeah it's amazing like I've often given myself ultimatums in my life and when I have I've done amazing things yeah right is there where does it sit for you that win in your career like in terms of, I guess now what you're saying, like everything that was actually on the line for it. Yeah, obviously because it was a turning point. That and the Commonwealth Games were, m- were by far my favourites. Yeah, by far. And so how'd you go on the Com Games? You win it. Yeah, you yeah. won the whole thing. Again, yeah. that sounds like we don't know. We try not to do much. Love that research. Just rolling and shoot the shit. But so you went. So how long? How old was it? How long ago was Com Games? 2018 on Gold in Gold Coast. So yep. I was 20 years old. So it was um. Yeah, just just for me being on home soil, like yeah. the first thing I did was run to the boys from Lourdes, pouring beer over my head on TV. I'm like, oh, come on, please, and <laughs> <laughs> run run to my family, giving them a big big cuddle. Like just um, 20 years old, just yeah. very young. And who'd you beat? How'd uh, you win? So I had five fights, and I I um, beat Manash Kaushik from India in the final. Big close fight, really close fight. We fight very similar, um, and I got him on a split decision. Shit. Very close. Is that that must be so nerve wracking when it's coming down to that decision? You're standing there and like your dreams are on the line, and it's just. And they say split decision, and then there's yeah. like a little there's like a little five second pause, and it feels like a lifetime. Yeah. Like, oh my god. Did you what, did you think you'd what, done enough? I did. Just more so as a fighter, you always have an inkling, but I didn't know it was close. Yeah. I didn't know, and if it went the other way, I couldn't have been disappointed. Are you yeah. scoring in your head? Um, it's, like it's a, more of a feeling. I think as fighters, when you shake each other's hands right at the end, as fighters, you know if that person got over you. You know. And it's like whether the score showcases that, you know if that person beat you. Right. That's it. Have you ever had any of those where you've been like, I probably didn't win that? Uh, maybe. Uh, yeah, no, probably. I probably would have. I'd have to think back in my career, maybe one or two. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there's definitely has been other times where I thought I had won it as well. So yeah. it's just like it evens itself out mm. over your career. But amateur boxing is really difficult because it's three rounds. Like, it's really hard to determine a fight in three rounds. Yeah. Fast pace, three rounds, a lot happening. It's very hard to see at that level yeah. someone really outclass someone. Unless you knock someone out. It's yeah, like, yeah. At the Olympics, the quarter, uh, the semi-final, I probably got outclassed. That was like a – but that's that's a bit of an anomaly. Yeah, like, okay. he, he was just like too good for me. to punch, punch, <laughs> punch the shit out of me. But that's boxing. Yeah. You, know, you just meet someone who's better than you and you yeah. just – you can't do anything. And yeah. so but did you get – did you medal at the Olympics or did you – yeah, bronze. Bronze, yeah. right. Yeah. So I thought, for some reason I thought silver. Again, it's like I've never heard of you the way I'm talking questions. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do get, that's, that is an incredible achievement in and of itself. Obviously, you want to win, but like um, a bronze medal at the Olympics is fucking wild. Yeah, it's something that I've... I've toyed with obviously the athlete mindset is like if it's not gold, like it's yeah, get, get out of here. You mean it's a it's a failure. So it was something I toiled with, and and Australia 
on the global stage isn't like a, a massive big dick swinger mm. I mean, in amateur boxing and professional boxing. It's not like we're America or Cuba or, or uh, Eastern Europe countries. Like they're very strong and, and mm. have many good fighters. But Australia is like the, the, the land of the underdogs in, in most sports, aren't yeah. we? Um, and, and yeah, just to, to do that on you mean my first debut Olympics, something that I've strived for since I was seven years old. Um, was an amazing feeling. Obviously, still felt it was a failure because it's yeah. not a goal. But at the same time, very proud of myself because there was many things that were stacked up against me, just like any athlete in a preparation. Mm. Um, and just to still show up and 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 perform at your best <clears throat> is a good feeling. Do you like? Do you like being an Olympian? Like, is there? Do you see other Olympians and like wink at each other? And have you got the rings that? tattooed? Nah. Are you gonna get it? Uh, I said I would get them if I want a gold. Okay. Yeah, for me, it's a failure. So, it's like I've got Commonwealth Games. Um, okay. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. Do you yeah. use that? As, do you use that failure, as you put it, as motivation in your professional career? I know Floyd Mayweather used his own, albeit a little bit different, because he was robbed. But his his bronze sort of drove his undefeated career. Yeah, him, um, Roy Jones Jr. He um, mm -hmm. also got robbed in, in the Seoul Olympics. Yeah, he got silver. Um, yeah, for sure, for sure. I think any um. Any setback. And I think that's something that we um, potentially, I know it's pretty present in boxing, but that, that mindset Floyd May with the mindset of, of no losses. Like, I think in life, like losing is like so valuable. Yeah. As long as it depends what you do after wins and losses that determine mm. exactly who you are. But like when you're, when you lose, when you're down, when you're out, when you're feeling like you're not good enough and, and to get back up, to build resilience, to, to, you mean, get back up and dust yourself off and go again. Like that is the marks of a champion, regardless yeah. if you succeed again, it's like just getting back up and having a crack. Mm. You are not staying down and going, oh, I'm a victim. You mean, poor me. You mean, why is, why is this always happened to me? It's like, no, like get up. You make the decision if you want to try again and make sure you get the decision next time. If you don't get the decision you want, try again. Mm. Or you mean, go to a different venture or try something else. Like it's always our choice. Mm. How long did it take for you to appreciate the bronze, like, and what it was, or was it like, do you still, it's still like a failure? Uh, I've definitely, uh, I, no, I appreciate it. I don't say that, don't say that often because I'm still caught in the mindset of like always, if it's not the best, you can do better, and yeah. I do believe that for sure. But at the same time, um, I wasn't expected. I was, there was probably six. Now uh, there was five. Sorry, Justice when he pulled out, so there was five athletes from Australia. Out of the five athletes, I was probably fourth best. We're fourth, fourth best in 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 a sense to everyone else. Everyone mm. else thought everyone else was Paulo Acuso really good. Everyone yeah. thought he was a big chance to win a medal. The girls, Caitlin Parker, um, and Sky Nicholson, Sky made it to the quarterfinals. They were like massive chances to medal the girls, and and I was sort of just flying under the radar, more so just another number. You mean yeah? And and to 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 bring home a medal, I'm proud of myself for that. Yeah, because no one else actually expected me to. to and I believe it. I believe in myself, like we all do. Like I wouldn't show up every day if i didn't believe in myself but mm. um yeah to 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 do that uh i'm yeah proud of myself for that it's funny as well with the olympics right like i remember when the missile james magnuson who came in and when he like didn't win gold and he was by point zero one yeah but then and he was heaps devo and then i think like a lot of us people in australia were like in the spirit of the olympics it's like first second third you should be fucking stoked is that like that was the general conversation like obviously missile know he was the world champion and he was talking heaps of shit and he didn't get there and like but it's, it's from especially with a fighter i can imagine how difficult that would be going like yay 
I just fucking lost and got a bronze. Mm. Like it, it, it would be a hard. It, that, it, it's also the nature of, of boxing because you got to lose the semi to make the bronze medal pl- players. Like there's yeah. a loss on the way to a win sort of thing, you know, yeah. as opposed to a sprint where you just didn't win. Yes. You just lost to Usain Bolt. Floyd Mayweather says that. He's like, you don't, you don't win a bronze medal. You receive a bronze medal. Yes. Yeah. You lose. You mean, yes. you're, you're a loser. And, yeah. and I 100% agree with that. And it's, it was so interesting because everyone was like, what was it like having the medal over your neck? And what was it like seeing the flag next to other countries being, being raised? And, I was like, to be completely honest, from the moment I lost, I didn't feel a thing. Mm. I went numb for about two months. I just really was just like, wow, oh, that was that was weird. You know, what I, mean? I I I can't even really remember those two months. I what was year like, was it? It wasn't last. It wasn't Tokyo. Was it last year? Twenty twenty one. Yeah. Yeah. It was the yeah. twenty twenty games in twenty twenty one. Yeah. So did know, we have an Olympics last year? At no. Commonwealth Games twenty twenty one. We had. Fuck me, the world's just moving quick. So last <laughs> year was not the replay of Tokyo. It's Commonwealth Games. No, t- Tokyo, <laughs> which was supposed to be 20, was in 2021. Because it's 2023 now. 2023. Jesus Christ. Okay. So the Olympics was like 18 months ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Something Jesus. like that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm all at sea. You are all at sea, buddy. <laughs> what, was the, what, was the, uh, what was it like? What was the Olympic Village like? The no fuck beds and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah, it was... Um, Did you test was, them out? It, it was unbelievable. I was in competition the whole time and also was at a misses at the time, so... Um, yeah, good, good the, answer. The, the, yeah, well, the final answer, the, the final thing is how to misses. All yeah. those things you said before are a complete horseshit. I mean, competition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was like, to, for me, the, the reality is, like, I still feel like just a little boy who, I used to, like, stay up all, all hours of the night watching the Olympics and Commonwealth Games. Mm. I mean, I love moments like 2005, John Aloisi, I know that wasn't the Olympics. but, nah, but Australian, Australia, yeah, 2004, yeah. Grant Hackett winning the 1500 meter final. Um, Steve Hooker, Matthew Mitchum, 2008. Just like moments like that really formed my my childhood. And, and to get there and be surrounded by someone like a Kate Campbell, Paddy Mills, Jess Fox, these are some of my idols. And yeah. Because of COVID, we couldn't really go out and socialise, go to other sports. So we were like locked in the Australian headquarters. And because of that, the Australian culture was like unbelievable. You mean like everyone was sort of getting along with each other and um, yeah, supporting each other when other people were competing. And, and, and yeah, it was just like an amazing experience. Was it, what was the dynamic like in the sense that you have Big Dog City and Paddy Mills and then Relative Unknown and Harry Garside? Like, was there any big dick swinging or was it like everyone was completely cool? Like, did you, was it easy to just you know, go up and have a yarn with people? Yeah, so there is a couple of like proper like big big time status. Paddy Mills isn't like that because he he's he's not saying the other athletes aren't like that. But Paddy Mills stayed with the basketball team. They're very much like team orientated. Yep. He was um flag bearer as well. But there was like people like a uh, Kevin Durant or Ash Barty. I think she stayed off campus because it's just like for someone like that, she's a world number one tennis player. Like yeah. everyone will be mobbing her before competition, and mm. and it would be hard. It would be yeah. so challenging. So, um, but it was it was. The, the swimming team probably six to themselves just because they're so big and that they're probably the most important in a sense. Like yeah. they're the they ones get the most money. That's yeah, for sure. <laughs> by, yeah, by they, far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so they're the ones who probably six to themselves, but everyone else sort of gets along pretty well. Is there? Is it sort of? Is there a little bit like us against the swimmers mentality? You know, like does that bring? Do the swimmers get high on their own supply? Yeah. Uh, and do you? And is there sort of like a judging eye? 
about yeah, the about their need to like, get higher get than supply. You guys are all fucking jacked and six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's there's something there, but I, I I must admit I grew up having that philosophy. When I first went on my first uh, international trip on a national team, I had that belief. But then I've actually become mates with with some of the swimmers, and and I've full changed my mindset on them. Mm. But I definitely did have that have that mindset of like, oh, they're just. You know, arrogant, you know, chip on my shoulder. I had the mindset of like yeah, private, private yeah, school yeah. people, most of them, and mm. um, yeah. But I'd full change my mindset on that because it's just like a lot of them are just like they're locked in a team, and they're a team inside the team. There's like seventy athletes. Yeah, of course they're just going to stick to themselves. Like, yeah. um, but when you actually talk to them one on one, like they're they're, they're genuine, and they're real nice, yeah. just like most Aussies. Last time we talked, I think if my memory serves, you were talking about the benefits of like a no nut before competition approach. Are you jizz still free operator. A, yeah, jizz free. Are you still a big believer in, in jizz free before a fight? So for me, I know there actually is scientific oh I don't I don't don't quote me on this, but I actually think there is some studies done that it increases for two weeks. Like so if you do two weeks. David. Yeah, there's something to it. Um two weeks out. So two weeks out, I've yep. heard that. But it's more so the reason why I did it was like Prior to the Olympics, I was, I'm a type of person, I'm very impulsive, very impulsive. I like running at things and um, yeah, just like to say you're not going to do something and then every day you don't do it. And then to say you're also going to do things like meditate every day, read a chapter of a book every day, um, do my alarms, say things in the mirror. There were certain things that I had to do every single day. So when I didn't do something and when I did do something, mate, I felt like so superior within myself mm. Did that for two months. Didn't didn't ejaculate for two months prior to the Olympics. It was a long time. Um, ejaculate then, such a proper word. Blow loads. <laughs> yeah. Blow loads. Mate, should have seen the first one. Should have seen the first one. Oh my god. Oh my <laughs> like god. Like a fire hydrant. Jesus. It would have been <laughs> biblical. Yeah, dude. They should actually get him to put out like house fires and shit. Like, where's Harry? Yeah. He's been on a nut yeah. for a couple of weeks. What <laughs> 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 <On> a building. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Flame retardant. Yeah. Anyway. Jesus Christ. Would a wet dream would that count? Mate, would you have to reset? I've never have I've never had a wet Neither dream. Neither dude. I'm heartbroken. Apparently it's better. Yeah. It's, it's look, almost I like mean, you have to put in the work. I've definitely had sex in my dreams, but I've never woken up to the sort of the uncomfortable reality that I've blown a load in the old silk undies. <laughs> Blow it a load in the silk. Have you had them? Not for many years. Not for but you have. Yeah. When What's I was younger. What's it like when you wake up? You feels like you're covered in nut. <laughs> <laughs> that's just like it is what it is, yeah, right? Yeah, that's a, like it's that's sort of it, it, but it's the minds are fucking crazy. Well, it's it's it's, it's, it's crazy that the mind can bring you to completion in the dream. Yeah, without any touching. But it, but it's like it feels like it's happening, but it's yeah. not. So you would argue that if there was a way, if you were tapped in enough, that you could just sort of think your way to a to an orgasm. Okay. That's true. Maybe that's next. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So anyway, out. you don't blow lights. <laughs> <laughs> Pre-fight. Yeah. So I definitely, I definitely have gone into fights post Olympics where I, where I ha like have. Yeah. And, and it's been fine. Like I, it's more like, I think as an athlete, probably now I've turned professional. Every fight has to be. I mean, but like when the amateurs, it's like you're not at a hundred percent in every tournament because it's like you can't actually be at a hundred percent all the time. Mm -hmm. So you have to vary. In some tournaments, you take the preparation less serious some tournaments you take it fully serious because it's like world championships olympics commonwealth games but in the professionals every fight is you have four four maybe five fights a year every fight is boom 100 um so yeah like there's been many fights that i've like been fine and 
ejaculated the day before or the, the, the mm. day of just mm. for relaxation. Fight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fight. yeah, on the stool. <laughs> In between rounds. Are you are you loving professional boxing? Like as a you know, you spent so long as an amateur. Do you like, you know, what what professional boxing brings? Uh it's it's been something a question I've asked myself a lot. I think for me, the thing that I'm not liking is that I'm not fully latched to a purpose. Like I don't mind, I don't, I don't mind the aspect, the showiness of it. I don't mind the, the longer rounds. That's that's exciting. You I mean just to showcase your your ability over, over more than three rounds, mm. um, which is exciting. And just the whole build up. <clears throat> um, you know, I, I don't mind that sort of thing. But I think for me, my Olympic purpose was like built when I was seven years old, before I even knew. But I can look back to a point and, and I was locked in. And from that point, I wanted to be just like the athletes I saw on TV. And and for me, I'm not fully latched to a professional purpose yet um, because it wasn't cultivated when I was younger. So mm. uh, that's probably the only thing that I'm not really enjoying so, yet. So your whole thing was get to the Olympics as a kid, being a boxer. That was that was the goal. It was, I think, I just love sport. So yeah. I just wanted to get to the highest level of sport. Okay, right. Whether that be in cricket, whether that be in football. And I just wanted to, I wanted to be like an Australian superhero yes. um, sport athlete. Um, and then when I started boxing, it was just like, yeah, it's all in for boxing. Yeah. Um, and then is it, is it sort of like once you then turn professional, in a sense you've gone from being at the Olympics, which is the height professional. Now you're sort of like at the back in the, at the bottom in the sense that now you're working your way towards a world title, I assume is what you'd want to do. Yeah, that's, that's definitely where it is. And as well, like in the, I finished the Olympic games with the bronze medal and I owe people money. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. you never get paid. I never once did it for money. And then now, don't get me wrong, we all love money. Mm. You know, it's, it's great. But at the same time, there's like a little voice inside of me. I'm a boxing purist. And to get paid for what you're doing, it's like, I don't know. It just it, it gives me a weird feeling. It's something that I'm trying to sort of overcome, and it's also getting deep again. But it's like that belief of like we all have a money story. You know I mean what we're shown when we're younger, where we believe where we believe that we are on the status quo level, and it's like my chip on my shoulder makes me feel like I'm pretty low. So when I receive money, I actually have a weird relationship with it because mm. I'm like I don't know if I deserve this. Mm. Um, imposter syndrome impo sort of yeah like. and it's a, it's a weird feeling to get paid for what you do it's a it's nice but at the same time there's like the element of like i've never once done it for money am i a sellout you mm. mean i didn't win the gold medal and now i've turned professional i'm getting paid like you know what I mean? so i'm yeah. battling that inside myself but that's something that a big goal of mine this year is to latch myself to a purpose in my professional career and it needs to be bigger than me you mm. mean i want to become the greatest australian boxer so I can inspire more young people to start boxing yeah. or to start combat sport. How do you, how do you feel about selling fights? Obviously, that like that's another sort of large element at times that is involved in professional boxing that probably isn't there as much, or if at all, in amateur boxing. Like, how do you approach selling a fight, and do you enjoy that process? Down for so this one you'll love this one. It's called touch something. So. It's like <laughs> closing. This is actually a great thing to touch. Oh, that's good. So clo closing your eyes and just really feel like. When do you ever do that? Yeah, you that's know, a good point. Really, mate. just feel. <laughs> Velvet's a good. Yeah, oh, that's why you got a chair. Hope you're closing your eyes. I am. Yeah. Just have a bit yeah, of. Yeah, these are good. Yeah, these actually feel good. Yeah, these are nice. <laughs> We're also selling some couches over there. If you want to touch those, maybe. <laughs> oh, and touch them and take them. Yeah, 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 take them. You got to no, You got to take them. We're not just selling the right to touch. We need you. To, we need them out of here. So if you want them soon. Yeah. Good, good, good couches touching mushies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, what were you always selling fights? Selling yeah. fights. Yeah. So it's 
Yeah, it's something that I um like I feel since turning professional because of the selling fights aspect of it. It um it's almost taken the sport out of the sport. It's almost turned into a business where it's like in the amateurs, you never had to worry about any of that. Mm. And it was just very competitive in the sense of like you go in there three rounds, you try your hardest to win white line fever, you're in, you're locked in. And then professional boxing is like it's built up four or five weeks out, you're doing a lot of media stuff, you're selling the fight, you're people are filming your training. It's like none of that stuff ever happened. And it's a bit of a, a distraction almost. And mm. it's like to be a superior athlete, for me, the way I the way I've always done it, it was just like locked in, nothing else matters, like that tunnel vision. So just um i'm only 25 and and prior to the uh, prior to the olympics i never knew anything about professional boxing so like to be thrown in it i'm just finding my feet in it that's yeah. all it is finding my feet but so do you feel when you are on a card and you know like you i think someone like you is often used in the no limit sense where maybe Boxing purists will try and say that like a gallon fight is delegitimized because he's a former footballer, but then they'll have someone like you on the undercard to legitimize it. Do you still do you feel a responsibility to sell it? Like, do you is there anything that you try and do, or are you just kind of like I'm not feeling it? Like it's not, like it's not it's not in your. You don't seem like the sort of trash talky guy. Yeah, I just try and just try and be myself. I, I like I very rarely think they'll ever trash talk in my whole boxing career. Like mm. it's just not. To be honest, mate, I'm 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 like quite um as I said from my upbringing, I'm actually quite feminine by nature. Mm. You mean know? and I I love exercising my masculine muscle of getting inside that boxing ring, because it makes me discover a thing inside myself that's always there. But I just exercise it more when I do boxing, so it's nice. But like I. To be honest, mate, prior to a fight, I believe in my ability. I believe in myself. I don't need to bring up someone else down. Like, I respect anyone, regardless of ability, regardless of age, getting in there and having a crack. Mm. But don't you think there is, from the business side of things, there's a there's a requirement almost? Or if, and I know it's, again, it comes back to that, like, money is, where's the importance? Mm. But if, like, if ultimately the goal is to be a champion not that shit talking is a prerequisite for it but like it helps in the business side of things and promoters going well let's give you know this guy would be good here because he's going to talk shit like do you feel pressure then because it's not how you want to do it yeah it's interesting i think i'm always just going to try my best not to do it in the sense of like to latch myself to my values and my morals and it's like my my hope is like boxing has a lot of fans the way it is and they love the trash talking so my hope is to bring new fans yeah to bring the fans for the stuff i do outside of boxing too to bring to bring people who've never watched boxing before um and hopefully inspire new young people especially to Mm. as i said to take up combat sport that's that's my aim and it's like fingers crossed i can just like we all love danny green when we were younger Mm. i remember watching danny green and and, you mean he was an australian superhero Mm. you know i mean everyone loved him so i i Definitely want to sort of walk in a similar direction to that. Um, you mean obviously every now and then he trash talked, but it was, it was very rare. You don't think of Danny Green as a trash talker. No, I no, mean no, only when really. it was in probably relation to mundane. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, that that big rivalry. But like, I just I want to go down that sort of path and just stand true and who I am. And of course, don't get me wrong, I'm confident. And I believe in myself and 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 say all that. But don't I don't need to bring someone else yeah. down to? There is also nothing like more lame than when you see really cultivated shit talk like where you just go well this is the only way you're only doing this to sell a fighter it gets like gets very uncomfortable you're like ugh, this sounds shit it can be a bit transparent you're like yes. mate this isn't you're not it's not off the cuff it's not natural it's no. a bit like it's forced sometimes who said that mike, mike tyson says that he's like the fighters now they're mates 
like they're all they're all mates and they're yeah. trash talking each other. And he's like, they're all mates. Like back in my day, he's like, mate, I'd like I'd, I wanted to kill everyone. Yeah, like, I generally wanted to. I wanted to eat their children. Like yeah. he literally yeah. said that. Like, he did say that. Yeah, yeah. He was a ter- he's a terrifying individual. It's one of the most terrifying speeches. Oh, before. he's honestly a scary man. Yeah. I actually, I, and I want to say this publicly because I, I have said before publicly because people I've, I've got. Massive tattoos all over my legs and my favorite you do. fighters. I, mean, I was don't know if I committed that. I want to ask about those tattoos. Yeah, and and for me, <clears throat> people often ask why there's no Floyd Mayweather, why there's no Mike Tyson. These are two of the most decorated. Um, and for me, the reasons were, you know, Mike Tyson was convicted of rape, um, and Floyd Mayweather dom- domestic violence sort of um, charges and stuff like that. But for me, I actually next time I go to Bali, that's where I get my tattoos. I'm going to get Mike Tyson tattooed on my leg. I've got another spot up there. And the reason is behind it because as a society, I think someone does something when they're younger, you mean, then we, we label them for the rest of their life, right? But it's like to see Mike Tyson now mm. and to see the man he's now, I, I'm going to get a photo of him now because yeah. I yeah. admire the man that he is now because he did the work. Mm. He did the work. He realized he wasn't happy with the man that he was at the age of 20 to 25 or younger and and to do the work and to see the man he is now, he's like so philosophical. He's mm. balanced. He's um, he understands himself. He's got a high EQ, emotional intelligence. He's got high self awareness. Um, of course, the video of him punching the dude on the plane was funny, and the guy kind of deserved oh, it. But fucking kind of, he deserved <laughs> yeah. it. You get that tattooed on yeah. him, yeah. flogging that yeah. prick in the fucking in his seat. Yeah. But I just wanna, I just wanted to say that publicly because I think it's um. It's important to recognise when someone does the work. You mean mm. they? Of course, he fucked up when he was younger. Mm. You mean, and, and and I don't agree with that. No, in one way, shape, or form. But to see the man he is now, you've got to respect him. Mm. We we want to do a uh, a sauna series, oh, absolutely, with you and Rowan and and Brockman talking greatness. Yeah, yeah. a couple of budgie smugglers in there. Oh, like mate, that. yeah, exactly. Well, obviously, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but talking <laughs> yeah. greatness, talking greatness, just sit there sweating, just sweating like, greatness. Yeah. Like five greats, just sit. Five greats, just talking. They're, talking they're two greatness. kings, aren't they? Yeah. Rowan Great fellas. And, yeah, and they're honestly very grateful to to have obviously met Rowan at the Olympics. Didn't really um didn't really know each other too well, but post uh, post Olympics since moving to Sydney, them I'm um, really happy to meet them too. Sort of yeah. bump shoulders with them. It's how greatness. do you you like how well, how do you meet Ned? Do you just reach out to each other? Like, do young greats just start going, "Hey, bro, you doing some cool shit?" Like. <laughs> Um, I actually don't remember how I think I actually think the first time we met we had spoken prior but the first time we met was actually um, that sauna and then a few weeks later he was um, he was starting preparation for the for the hundred and he um, yeah I started just doing a couple of morning morning runs with him at 4am yeah he's he's just an animal did he did he motivate you to do that 100k soft sand run you did oh 100k psychopath yeah Yeah. and I saw it like that was it yeah that was in the in the sort of aftermath of Brockman and I've seen you 100k's was it on Bondi yeah on Bondi fuck that dude that is ridiculous was it all soft Uh, yeah soft and hard yeah so just doing laps yeah it was um yeah very like to be honest I got halfway through and it's like Ned had a purpose. He had a reason. He's been dreaming about this for two, three years. And I did 10Ks on the sand two weeks prior. I'm thinking, oh, this was easy. I think it's, only, <laughs> it's only nine more of these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, um, yeah, stupidly got about 30Ks in. I'm thinking, what the fuck am I doing this for? Like, it was the <laughs> dumbest decision. Um, yeah, like, oh, I wanted to give up so many times. It's one of those things. Once you say you're going to do something publicly. But 100Ks, dude, 100Ks is so many Ks. Mate, just think, honestly, think about what he did, though. Like, no, that has to be the, that has to, for me, 
that is like one of the biggest sporting achievements this country's ever seen. Yeah. The fact that he didn't get a mention in Australian of the Year. Dude, he should have been Australian of the Year. Well, well apparently, apparently he'd missed the cutoff. That's what I'm like, yeah, but like, like they know. But like, also, fuck the cutoff. Yeah. Change the cutoff. <laughs> Change the cutoff. Sorry. He's fucking not going to get it next year for something he did this year. Is I he think like, they changed the cutoff because that Peter Bowler, who's a good mate of mine, I love him to be, he's a good man. And he obviously got. Got done. done, got done recently, mm. and and I think he was supposed to receive an award. Yes, yes. The young Australian of the year, and they yeah. gave it to someone else. Obviously, they can change. They can, they exactly, can change. they can change it. Well, there um, you go. Yeah, oh, there they're you full go. of shit. They are. Too and I don't shit. look. I'm not a. I don't know a whole lot about like the chick who won, but I do know that it to me it just seems like I'm all for body positivity, and I think that's what she was about. But I just feel like there are people doing, even if it's not Ned, right? I feel like there are just people who are doing. More deserving things. That is just my opinion. Yeah, I'm not too sure on the person who won. I didn't know who it was. I don't exactly. I, I yeah. don't. Well, there's no one more deserving than that because I, just, I heard someone say like someone like there was a frontline worker esque sort of a person from a COVID perspective. I'm like, I could see that. Mm. I don't know if there is one. There's probably fuckloads of them. You can't give it to everyone. There's probably <laughs> yeah. thousands. Unless we get some frontline workers running across the country, or we get Ned into a nurse's <laughs> scrubs. Like maybe we can see how that goes. It's just. The hundred day after day after day after day after day is fucking absurd. Just like the head noise. The head noise. Oh. But I also the head think noise, mate. He'd run the first eighty percent with no fucking headphones, just in his head. <laughs> yeah, like, you I know. Are off your rocker. Yeah, bro. let's try and make it harder. Yeah, you know what I mean. Let's try and make it harder. I'm going to make, make this as difficult as I possibly can. <laughs> he's. he's I, I sat in the sauna man. with him and Rowan, and, I, and and this is pride. This is after he's done the fifty um fifty k's in fifty days, and I was. I'm a deep thinker and I think about what is the thing that motivates me? What is it? Obviously, as I said, the inferiority complex, not thinking I'm good enough. And I asked him, I was like, mate, what's the, what's the thing that drives you? He's like, his answer, and I'm like, it's got to be more than this. Mm. But his answer was, someone told me I couldn't do something when I was younger. <laughs> I'm like, no one runs across the country <laughs> just because someone said you couldn't do yeah. something. Listen, I'm like, dude, not a good enough answer. You either got beaten or something or something happened. Yeah, like, something, happened? Something's going on. I yeah, know. I need it to be more than that. I, want- <laughs> I, I need it to be more than that. It has to be. It's yeah. got to be. It's fucked. I don't really remember like. him giving us any more of an answer. That's than what that he gave yeah, That's the same yeah. thing. It's like, oh, yeah, I wasn't picking fucking up or something. Yeah. I'm like, fuck off. Oh, it might have been. Yeah. I'm like, what, what is it then? How don't you know? <laughs> I just felt like running one day to Palmy and back. I'm like, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. You were talking about Peter Bowl before. How does that, how do you, like, how do you feel about, again, he's got a B sample to come in, but it's like EPO, has to be injected. He denies it strenuously. Let's assume, based on the first one, that he's that he has done it. How do you rationalise that sort of thing where, like, you know what it takes to be a competitor, you know the effort that goes into it, but you probably also can understand you're probably maybe more sympathetic in the sense that you know maybe the mental struggles and the desires to compete and everything. Like, generally speaking, how does it, how do you feel about it? Yeah, so I, I actually had someone talk to me about this because I put up a, a photo just reaching out to him and saying, mate, I'm backing you up you mean, with, with you through this. And I think as a mate, take away sport mm. as a mate, it's like he's always been a good bloke to me, mm. always. And regardless, my definition of loyalty is not turning your back on someone when shit hits the fan. Mm. It's like showing up, especially when they need you. Yeah. And, and for me, it's like if he has done it, I do not agree with that as an athlete. That that series Icarus, oh, yeah, got yeah. my blood boiling yeah, because it's like us athletes here get tested all the time. We're trying our hardest. We never, you know, we get done for taking quadrupedal flu. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we, and and there's people over there who are actually doing it. And the government's like, helping them. Yeah, helping them yeah. exactly yeah. right. But as a mate, whatever he does, 
I don't have to agree with it and mm. I can let him know that, hey, I don't agree with that. You're wrong for doing that. But I don't turn my back on him. Have and you spoken to him at all? Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I reached out to him as soon as I found out and I said, hey, mate, if you ever need to talk, um, think of you right now. I could just imagine it's chaos for yeah, him. Yeah, completely. Um, especially if he hasn't done it. Mm. You mean, we can produce EPO, but yeah. he got done for synthetic. I don't fully know the ins and outs right. of it, to be completely honest. But as a mate, you don't turn your back on your mates when they're in the heap. And, um, yeah, Which seems I, to happen a lot these days. Yeah, I just send, I just, as you set a boundary saying, hey, I don't agree with that. You mean, it's like, it's like a mate, you mean, I'll never forget a really close mate of mine. He's, his wife's about to, or his partner, sorry, he's about to have a kid and he's, he's on a bender and she's like two or three weeks from, from Poppy. Yeah. And, and she's calling me going, have you spoken to him? And I'm like, Hey, I got so dirty on him, and mm. I, he's like one of my closest mates. I said, "Mate, pull your pull your fucking head in. Yeah. Like this is this is wrong what you're doing. Mm. Your, your wife, your partner's about to pop, mm. and here you are, buddy. You mean turn you don't your, want to be shit faced in a fucking turn turn your phone off. Like you sweet. mean go yeah, this guy, yeah, this right. thing. Like, oh, and I and I just ripped shreds to him, and I said, "That's what a proper mate does. It's mm. like they pull you in line when you're when you're not doing the right thing, yeah. but they don't turn their back on you. You yeah. don't just go, oh, I'm cutting him, mm. um, because there, there's so many good memories as well, just like with Peter. Definitely, I respect that. Respect a lot." Um, on that, have you, have you ever had anyone be like, "Oi, you want some of this?" <laughs> uh, not in Australia. Not in Australia. We're so against it. Yeah, I remember when the um, we're actually looking into it because we want six packs. So we're not all <laughs> against it. You should go to Body WRL. They've got this little um. They've got this machine that I've never used it, but apparently it's like a twenty-minute ab workout, and it's like. It's like a buddy ten hour ab workout in twenty minutes. What is it? Because we just what purchased. Machine? Yeah. Because oh, we just got the ones the strap on. I think it could be that. Yeah, I actually saw. I heard your podcast about. <laughs> they're on their. They're on their way. They're on their way. We're gonna do podcasting. Yeah, get yeah. jacked, dude. I think I'm gonna look like you. Yeah, yeah. I, might, I might come in. Dude, as you're well, six pack city at the moment. <laughs> yeah, you are. Oh, there's a couple of edits on that. Dude, that, you know that, I saw. saw that you know Instagram I saw that pic the other day, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was this morning. I saw. Is that on your stories or you just fucking twelve packed? Would you put? this way if tom and i like just jiggled our we way to six we packs. jiggle our way to six packs would you start incorporating it into your training oh 100 yeah. absolutely yeah. Yeah. absolutely so. we can guinea pig this thing for you right yeah thanks yeah, yeah the canary in the coal mine it could be the, it could be well it could be the secret to a world championship who knows <laughs> yeah you never know you might get that strap you know. yeah you gotta give yeah. it a fucking just try, like mate. just like epo you never well, know well listen yeah exactly right we'll give that a go is that gonna help me get a six pack i don't know Potentially, <laughs> if, it, if it, Again, anything, guinea pigs over one here. percenters, you know, yeah. anything that's going to get us there. Um, how much sleep do you get? Oh, nine Gosh. hours, yeah, nine, nine, nine hours, yeah. I'm, I'm, are you easy? Does it is it easy for you to get to sleep? Oh, real easy. And I tell you what's so annoying, like, oh, I feel a bit tired today just purely because I went to the tennis last night, the um, the men's final. Lucky you, I was open, yeah, and and didn't get to lucky it wasn't a five setter, but didn't get to bed until about 12 o'clock. So for me, I usually go to bed 9 30. Um, and then wake up, you mean 6 30, 7 o'clock, something like that. Uh, um, so yeah, for me, it's like run off like you mean six, seven hours sleep. I had to wake up early for a flight, and I, I'm, I struggle. Mm. And you do that, you can do it for one day, one or two days for me, but if I do that consecutively, also yeah. you're training your ass off, oh, so it's like your body you needs need repair. Everyone, like, you can do all this stuff, like all the recovery ice baths and all the supplements, and they're probably valuable, they're probably that one percent. But the biggest thing is sleep, food, and water. Just like have those three. Make sure you nail those three. All the other stuff is just a little half a percent, one percent. It might yeah. help. I mean, I'll always try things, but they're the three biggest, yeah. most do, important. Do you nap? 
Well, I try to, but mate, my brain is wired. Once mm. I'm once I'm up, I am up. I was <laughs> hoping there was like a nap alarm. Yeah. That goes well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tom and I, I mean, listen, like if in the pursuit of greatness, I'm happy to incorporate a nap in. No, yeah, 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 yeah. A siesta. A siesta. <laughs> well, siesta alarm. Fucking put the feet up. <laughs> siesta Hard alarm. Hard at work for a few that'll hours. That'll be our one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we're, that'll be the only thing we take from Harry is a yeah. daytime nap. <laughs> 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 Two o'clock. Pretty oh, sure he said to eat mushrooms and sleep during the day. <laughs> yeah. That's basically all I took from it. Yeah. Um, I, I just wanted to ask you about, because you were talking about trying to find a purpose um, that you had when you were in the Olympics, but now it's something you want to try and attach yourself to a purpose. Is it not world title? Is that not purpose? Yeah, but I think through maturity, through self-growth, through, through self-discovery, um, and if you've ever read the book Open by Andre Agassi, I have. unbelievable book. Great but book. A big thing about that is, you mean, he was very much the same, lacked lacked a lot of purpose, was just doing it because his dad forced him to do it. Um, and then he started a foundation, you mean. And, and Ben Crow, Ash Barty's mindset coach, he talks about like life's biggest truism is life isn't about us as individuals. It's about the impact we can have on others. And you probably realise that when you have kids, or if you mm -hmm. have a partner and you dedicate yourself or you have, you mean, a, a, a community just like you guys have built, it's like you're having a positive impact. You know, you're making people happy, you're making people laugh. And it's like, for me, it just feels very much like the world title is all I, I, I. And I'm more than that. So I, I want to make sure it's bigger than me. Whether that means, like, as I said, trying to inspire the next generation to, to take up combat sport or start boxing or, or do something that's out of their comfort zone or, you know I mean, be different, be bold, be themselves or just whatever it is. Like, it just has to be bigger than me and I haven't fully latched myself to something that's ingrained that I'm just like, yes, yeah. that's it. Have you got an inkling on what that might be? I really... um. I, I'm really inspired and motivated by the younger generation, just more so because I, I feel like a kid myself and and as well, like I, young men especially, I just feel like right now in this world, we're almost telling young boys that it's not okay to be a boy. You mean, we're like toxic masculinity, how much does that get thrown around? How mm. much does, and I'm like, there is of course traits that men 150% need to get a grip on, 150%, but it's like, I think for a young boy, and the conversation's especially loud on social media, for a young person scrolling through, especially a young male, <clears throat> they would be seeing that and like almost suppressing the urge to be a male. You mm. mean that, or that, that masculine tendency, not to mm -hmm. be male, but that masculine tendency of like testosterone and movement and, and aggression. It's just, mm. it's quite normal, mm. to be completely honest. And I just, I'm quite passionate about young, young boys mm. and impacting them in a positive way. And young kids, not just young boys, but just impacting them in a way that they find their way in this world just like I was fortunate enough through the Reach Foundation, a foundation, a youth organisation when I was 16. So I want to do stuff like that and I think it'll be around st starting something like that. Mm. Um, but yeah, not fully certain on how it looks. Okay. Watch this space. Yeah. What's that? Watch this space. Watch this, yeah, absolutely. So I just think like more young people, like they're getting more and more emotional intelligence. They're getting more and more self-aware. Um, but at the same time, they're more and more disconnected. Um, and, and there's just a few things, just like lacking a little bit of direction and stuff mm. like that. And I just mm. would just love to impact them in a positive way where it's like the leaders of the future are just, you mean, well adapt to, to tackle things head on. What then does the professional boxing career look like then in regards to the pursuit of belts and shit? Like how far off does that look like on a 
career path? Yes, yeah, so I hopefully want to be world rated. One of my goals this year is by the end of the year, um, if not early in the new year. Um, and then yeah, fighting for fighting for belts probably when I'm about fifteen fights in, so maybe maybe two or two or three years. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Definitely at that level in two or three years, and then hopefully getting a chance um to fight for a belt in in that time as well. And your weight class is that like your Tank Davis's Ryan Garcia? That's like the hot hot shit hot of world boxing. Haney, yeah, Haney, Cambosis. Yeah, yeah, the strongest division, which I love. A lot of people don't like that, but I. It almost it makes you have to get better. Yeah. It's like if you don't get better, you will not run with the horses. Yeah. You know, as simple as that. You will stay where you are. So it's like because they are, it's the strongest division pound for pound at the moment. It's like you have to level up, or yeah. else you will never compete with them. Simple mm. as that. So that's crazy. Good. Do you what's do you have any relationship with Cambosis? Like, is there any? Have you ever met him? Is there? I played cricket with him. Um, we did a little celebrity cricket match uh, a couple of weeks back. Really good bloke. First time meeting him, um, actually, and and obviously both in the boxing community. But yeah, real good bloke. Obviously, you're in different, le- like you're at different stages of your career. Is there any like, so? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the media would probably sell it that way. But mm. to be honest, mate, I would fight anyone. I have that old school mindset of like, of course you don't want to lose, mm. but it's like, it's like as long as you're testing yourself, like that mindset of like, of course for a business perspective you don't want to lose because it ruins your reputation a little bit. But it's like. I would, sparring, fighting, I would love to fight anyone. Mm. You know what I mean? Just because it's like, you lose, you're going to get better. You mean, win, lose or draw, you're just going to grow. So it's like, you're fighting someone who's a little bit above you and you have to rise to that occasion. Yeah. Like, that's a it's a massive opportunity. But for me, I, I really got along with him. He's a family man. He's, he's all about you and bettering himself and mm. he's chasing the hard fights still. Yeah. You know I mean, after that, t- obviously the two losses and just still got that winner's mindset, which I admire. Mm. He's an intense character. We chatted with him as well. He's a very intense. When you're trying to like get him to crack a smile, yeah. Did, well, we did. It? We, we got d- it. We did. But it was one, and it was we cracked. I fucking a, yeah. latched onto it like a like a bloody. We we'll get him on the mushrooms. Well, <laughs> oh maybe. Yeah, maybe he joins. Well, us. he can join us. <laughs> you too. Yeah. yeah. Mike Dub running through the scrub. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that could go yeah, anywhere. That'd do fucking. Biblical numbers. It would be. Bush bashing on mushrooms. Yeah, bush bashing. Call it bush bashing. Bush bashing. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. Um, Are you fighting this year? What's the plans? Yeah, so I'm actually... um, Because you can do amateur and professional now, which is... um, So I was actually... uh, I obviously had the back end of last year. Yeah, your hands. Yeah, your hand injury, but finally all good. And I was originally in my head, I was talking to my manager and we were supposed to fight in Feb. So I was preparing, I was training through Christmas, I was feeling good, feeling fit, feeling healthy. And then they pushed it back to March. And unfortunately, for, for personal reasons, I can't do March. So I was like, well, I'm not going to be able to fight because of these personal reasons. I won't be able to fight until mid-year. So I'm like, oh, I'm, not, I'm not doing, I'm in the middle of my career. I need to keep fighting. I need mm-hmm. to keep active. So I messaged the um, the amateur amateur system because we can do both. And I said, you guys got any tournaments in, in January, February, March? Uh, and they said they did. So I was, um, yeah, I'm just going over to Europe with, with the am- Australian amateur team and a couple of tournaments over there, which is awesome. And, and just good to fight. Do you wear headgear in amateur tournaments? Is that a thing? or you, you They've taken them off now. Taken yeah. off. So you're just going to go in there and beat the fuck out of a couple of amateurs? Uh, well, they're top class, so no, yeah, we'll see, how, we'll see how we go. I'll probably get the shit punch out of me, mate. <laughs> but, you know, I'm excited to get in there, mate. Just um, 
you know, obviously had a lot of time off and, and for me, even this preparation, just like managing my hand, getting back into it, making sure I only started sparring like probably a week and a half ago. So just, just getting back in there and I just want to fight, you mm. know, and just want to exercise that muscle of yeah. competition and, um, that, that animal instinct, like we spoke about at the start. So it's, um, just excited to fight. Simple as that. Have you got your eye on anyone for mid year? I was supposed to fight this guy called Miles Zalewski, but I had to pull out because of my hand. So it would have to be him first up. Has just to be. Okay. Has for me. Yep. And just for an athlete, you don't pull out on someone and yeah. not fight them. Yeah. How far to, out was it from it that you pulled out? Uh, two or three weeks. Fuck, so yeah. I was close. It was pretty well, close, yeah. yeah. So um, do the right thing. 100% fight him. Um, you mean he's a great fighter from from Brisbane, can punch, bit of a knockout artist. So keep keep the jukes up, Harry. Mm. Um, but yeah, excited to, to fight him. And then after that, mate, um, not too sure. We've always said on this show that the road to greatness for any Australian boxer is paved with plumbers. So, <laughs> like, along the career trajectory. But you yourself were a plumber. Were you, is that correct? Yeah, she does one. But <laughs> uh, that's all right. Do you feel like, you know, the fact that you have worked the tools you've plumbed before actually <laughs> helps you now to know what it takes to pound plumbers? Have you pounded plumbers yourself? <laughs> yeah, how many plumbers you plant? How many plumbers have you pounded? Oh, there's been a few. Yeah. But for me, like, I, I love band of trading. Just, um, oh, fuck yeah. yeah no, that's it, no knock on. Mate, that's I, no I, knock I on plumbers. It. It's a lot, of, um, a lot of fun. But for me, my, my mindset was always like, if it works for boxing, it works for me. I remember my dad, bit of slave labor here, looking back when you're 12 years old, you don't realize this, but my dad, Used to get me working every school holidays, every day off school with him roof tiling. Yeah. Roof tiling so much worse than plumbing. Yeah. On the roof. My, and he's paying me, buddy. What was he paying? Like 40 bucks a day. Back then, I'm thinking I'm, I'm a millionaire. But I look back now, that's slave labor. I'm oh, working yeah. harder than any of the other boys he's got because yeah, my Yeah, you could have called docs on the old boys. I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking. Um, but yeah, I, so I worked with him as a roof tiler. Even when I left school, I worked with my dad um, for about eight, nine months. And then um, got a job plumbing, a bit easier on the body. So yeah. did that for about two and a half years. And then boxing took off. And I was like, sorry, boys, yeah, I'm going to have to focus on this. Yeah, similar to Brockman, who was like, fuck being a sparky. Yeah, yeah. I'm he's, just going to be his sparky days are behind him yeah. somehow. <laughs> yeah. I can't see him back on no, the phone. Look at him doing a talk with David Goggins. I know, mm. dude. That hasn't it's happened yet, has it? No, nah, it's, it's, it's coming out end, soon. Yeah, Opening for Goggins is insane. I think Huge. it's Fable March. If I There's a part of me that's it's crazy because, like, we said this to Ned, like, I don't. I. I never, I'm not someone who seeks inspirational content. I'm not necessarily easily inspired, or maybe I just am not. In not, it's not hitting me in that much. But like, there was something about what he did that it, that was just. It got everyone right. Like it was hard not to. But then the idea of like listening to David Goggins speak, I think, is too much for me. I think I'd like. I might yeah. be. I, it'd be overwhelming. Yeah, he's he's a very intense character, and and I don't really want to go and run a forty k's in a blizzard and then jump in like an ice lake. Like while my hands are tied together. Yeah, <laughs> while my hands. Yeah, exactly. It's just that's too much for me. Whereas Ned's just like get out of bed, keep going, you know keep trucking. Like, well, Ned's, Ned's more relatable. Very like, much Dave, so. David Goggins for me, like don't get me wrong, his mindset when you're training good, like gets you fired up. You mean so hard. Like I love that, but at the same time. I don't relate to him. I wasn't beaten by my dad or I don't have this, like he calls it the cookie jar. I don't have this unbelievable cookie jar and hardcore life that mm. I can seek inspiration from. Yeah. I'm a pretty sheltered boy from from um, from Australia who <laughs> had two loving parents and yeah. a couple of little fuck-ups along the way, but nothing major, you know mm. what I mean? So, I don't know, someone like a, a David Goggins, I struggle with him. Ned Brockman, he's just, he's oh, just yeah. one of the boys, isn't he? Just yeah, get just after it. You know? <laughs> just get after it. It's a kid from Forbes who... Fucking ripping and tearing. Rips and tears, love it. After we spoke the first time, the 15 minutes of, uh, of fame, 
I was driving through, again, I don't know if you remember this, but I was driving through Bondi Junction on a rainy <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> I do. And I'm looking at the, there's like a seemingly homeless gentleman standing at traffic lights with a window cleaner, as you see. I did remark to myself in the car, shit day to be cleaning windows, bro, because it's pissing with rain. <laughs> but then uh, the lights stop <laughs> and I see this man start walking across the car, having a look, and I'm like, is that, is that fucking Harry Garside? <laughs> Cunt was in Fox Sports like two weeks ago. What the hell's going I'm like, and genuinely I was like, fuck, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck happened? And I put the window down and you're like, you want to win? And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and then you just, again, in this very quick interaction we had before, you know, like before the lights turn green, you're like, I like to do shit that gets me uncomfortable every once in a while. And I'm like, you're, you're an interesting man, dude. Like I just, I, I was kind of lost for words. Yeah. What, what, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, so the uncomfortable challenges. That was um, that was an awesome one, but shit day to, to clean windows. <laughs> Terrible day. We've got about three in the hour. No one cared. Um, but Did yeah, anyone else recognise you? Uh, I think one other person, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was... Um, this started probably the start of 2019. Actually, one of my first ones was riding my dad that car. Yeah, so right. One of my first ones was in twenty start of 2019. And um, yeah, the where I learned this from was... I mean, you want to grow as an athlete, you want to grow as a person, you mean, put yourself in uncomfortable situations. And, and obviously in the Western world, like we're so comfortable and it's like, it's almost human nature to conserve energy because we're survival beings. If we don't have to put ourselves in uncomfortable situations, we won't subconsciously. Mm. I mean, we want to be in comfort. We want to be eating the Maccas. We want to be relaxing at home, watching Netflix. Like that's what we want to do. Mm. Um, but if you want to grow for me as a person, as an athlete, just put yourself in uncomfortable situations. And Ned Brockman, I mean, what was he saying? Mm. Slogan, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. And yeah, done a challenge once a month for almost was it four years now yeah and just absolutely loved it my growth as a person and as an athlete has been it's been what's the most fucked up one you've done um 50 hours no talking was hard i fucking love to talk you had had like tape over your mouth didn't you Uh, that was a different one yeah that was 24 hours breathing through my nose and obviously boxing yeah isn't amazing holy shit dude so you were like suffocating yourself i hated it yeah 24 hours 24 hours like and i and I, i went for a run and I, I felt lightheaded the whole the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how healthy it is, but how do you come up with these? Um, some are self inspired, most of them are, um, but then also as well, like the beauty of Instagram, you can ask a few people for ideas, mm. and there's many things I'm yet to do, like stand up comedy. That's on my list of things Oof, to do. Ooh, um, fuck um, that. Naked model. For, I don't know how uncomfortable I'd be. Naked model. No, I've for seen art. dick, dude. You can do it. Six pack <laughs> as well. I've seen <laughs> it through a zoot suit. I must remind people. I haven't seen it in the. Fl- I haven't eyeballed it. Yeah, yet. you got a sense. No, I've got a sense. The the stand up comedy one. Oh, that's that'd terrifying. be tough. It's terrifying. terrifying. Yeah. So. That, that's on the list of things to do. But um, yeah, a lot of it's just, um, you can do a lot of research as well. Mm. Like things that make people uncomfortable. Like early on, they were pretty like amateur ones. And then the deeper I got in, the, the sort of more full on and hardcore they've, they've been. And not every month is hard. Like this yeah. month was doing an interview series with three famous people where I'm leading the interview. I've never had to do that before. Ah, who'd you, know, you do with? Uh, Stan Wrinkwa. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then um, Isla Tomjanovic. Yeah. I don't know how to pronounce her name. And uh, Christian Wilkins. Those are the three people. And You managed to pronounce Christian's name. <laughs> 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 um, so, yeah, it was like, it was pretty terrifying. Yeah. Like, and I, mate, how about this? I've never opened a bottle of champagne before, <laughs> right? 
Like, where, I just, and people are like, why haven't you? I'm like, I'm 25. I very rarely drink. I'm like, when would I open a bottle of champagne? <laughs> and they're on camera. There's about 40 people in the room, people from France, the Papa Heinzig people. And I'm, I'm like, shit, I've never opened this before. I'm like ripping it open. I'm fuddling because I'm nervous. I'm oh, freaking out. Dude. I'm like, and usually you have to like do this, but I'm shooting it because I see people do that. that at yeah, the, yeah, when, yeah. When they champagne win and, I, and I've shot it and it's missed someone's head by about that much. And I'm just like, I was like sweating buckets. That would have been so Knocking some guy out. Yeah? <laughs> Dude, bang. In the eye? In the eye. Straight in the eyeball. Sorry. <laughs> Brand ambassador. First time. <laughs> First time. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, mate. Oops, never opened champagne. <laughs> Was the hundred k one? The, was the, yeah. yeah. So that was sure. the, that was a month of pain. So that wasn't just the only one. It was um, hundred k's on sand. I did a half Ironman. Um, what else did I do? A, a triathlon the week after, uh, and then sixty k, my longest run, and then four days later I did the <laughs> did the hundred k on the beach. So it was, it was a stupid month. What was the fifty? So you said fifty hours no speaking was the worst one. That was probably the hardest. Yeah. Why particularly? Just because you love to yarn. So, yeah, I just learned um. What I always thought that my energy release in a to let go of positive and negative emotions was was always training. But mm. what I realized is actually talking. You mean so whether that be to to a mate, whether that be to a missus, or whether that be to, to my family, like talking is the way that I've always let things go and and just like navigate things. And then when I couldn't talk, man, I felt like I was going to implode. Honestly, just like by the end of the fifty hours, I was like I was like fired up. I yeah, really. I wanted to scream. I wanted to like I was wanted to just like. I was so frustrated and it's because I hadn't let go or spoke or, mm. um, and it, it made me every, every challenge I learned something new from, like what I learned in that is like, I actually need to shut my mouth sometimes because when I didn't talk and when I didn't take up the space, the wallflowers in the group, the people who don't really talk because I wasn't talking, it gave them the opportunity to mm. speak and it gave them the opportunity to express themselves however they see fit. So I learned, always learned something from each challenge. We could probably we could probably shut the fuck up for a while, couldn't we? Well, but you know, <laughs> unfortunately, it's also the job. Yeah, I guess yeah. I'll guess away from the away from the mic. Yeah, the probably mic. probably not on the mic. No, you give know, Tobler and Tommy a chance to. We're just not speaking anymore. Yeah, for the day. You, you guys chat. Yeah, off mic, not now. <laughs> Tobler and Tommy. Sorry, Tobler and Dave, whatever. <laughs> on the Hong Kongs. Um, <laughs> yeah, we should just be quiet and let Dave smoke bongs in the corner. Yeah. And express himself. Yeah, that's good content. That, yeah, it's yeah, great. ASMR content. bong smoking. Oh, that'd be oh, bubbling. Jesus <laughs> okay, um, <laughs> mate. I don't have. I don't have any. Too, I don't have to, any other questions, man. Do you got anything else? No, I've really enjoyed this. I've though, loved man. it, man. I've loved Fucking it. Fucking great yarn. And it's definitely been someone, as we said, we wanted to get you back in after that little yarn. But um, very much appreciate you coming on. It's my favorite podcast show at the moment. So. Thank you, mate. Fucking yeah. We'll clip that up. Clip that up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> clip it up. Clip that one up. Um, but, mate, uh, that's just, I'd love to just keep in touch. Come back on whenever you want. If you've got a fight that, you know, you don't want to abuse someone to promote. <laughs> and we've, already, we've got a couple of podcasts locked in as well, like Talking Greatness. Talking Greatness and, and, and Mushy. Bush bashing. Bush bashing on oh, Mushy. Yeah. So we've got two teed up. Yeah. Perfect. But good luck. Good luck overseas and good luck later in the year. Thanks, boys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, man. Cheers, bro. Could you two just not talk anymore? Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.